Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast that you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Hello. And since Maddie Key is not only in another country, but in another time zone right now, we have a special guest on the podcast today, a special guest who normally speaks into microphones for the Not After 30 podcast, which is available on all your favorite podcast services. He is the one and only Anthony Francesca. Hello, Anthony. What's good, boys? Happy to be here. We are going to talk about a whole lot of things today. We're going to just talk a lot about wrestling today and buckle in for that because we got quite the lineup for you today. Of course, we're going to talk about the NFL Week 2 that was, even though it's still kind of going on right now, but the NFL Week 2, and you can see James wearing his uh, New York Jets jersey if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be. Uh, Trey Lance will, I mean, a part of Week 2, we're going to talk about Trey Lance, we're going to talk about the Bengals, we're going to talk about the Jets, we're going to maybe talk about Mike Evans. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, we do want to talk briefly about as well until we get into some of the wrestling topics. We want to talk about Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul, the return of War Games, and NXT 3.0 or 1.5 or something like that. But this, of course, is 43.6. Thank you for subscribing on your favorite podcast services. Thank you for subscribing on YouTube. Make sure you go to YouTube if you're not subscribed and search 43.6. Subscribe there. And this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, but we will talk about them later. First, we do like to talk about our week that was since the last time we joined together to talk about sports. And I guess since we haven't talked about Anthony in a long time, so... Uh, let's catch up on the past week. Uh, we will start with our guest, Anthony. What has your week been this weekend oh. and previously? Well, thanks so much for starting with me. Um, Thursday night, I went to go see the great Tom Segura stand-up live comedy. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, it was a gift from a buddy of mine. Uh, him, um, him and his wife were supposed to go, and then they, got, uh, they broke up. So I got a free ticket out of it. Way to go, relationships? Awesome. Uh, the show is amazing. If you don't know Tom Segura, look him up on anything and you'll laugh your dick off. And then Saturday, I drank myself silly. My softball team had their uh, end-of-season party. We lost a championship game by one run. So we all drowned our sorrow in some white claw. It was wonderful. I had a great time. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, that reminds me of a scene from The League. Have you seen The League? I love the league. Okay, good. I was going to say, like, you need to watch the league. Chalupa was, Batman. Let's go. <laughs> you mean Christopher Benjamin? Um, <laughs> so it was It was the first season, and it was, it might have been like the third episode. Pete and Megan had a, like, spa day booked, but obviously Pete and Megan, like, separated in the first episode. So Pete had to bring someone to the spa with him. And they just kept showing up. Yeah, he immediately went to Kevin, and Kevin's like, no, I can't go. And then, so he ends up taking Andre to the... It's Anyways, the whole episode is hilarious. It ends up with, like, Ruxin getting into a fight with Antonio Gates. Yeah. Great, great episode. Great show. Um, James? Ruxin's, Ruxin's fiancé that was allergic to cum? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Andre's fiancé. Yeah, oh, sorry, Andre, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, on my bad. Tri- uh, Trixie Von Stein, actually, was her full name. <laughs> that show is timeless. And for... You know what's funny? And like the fact that you're like before the show, you're like I'm not that big of a football guy, but like I, you you would think you'd be inspired by the league to be way more into it I, than you are. Listen, I like football, as you can see. I'm donning well, my St. Louis Battlehawks sweater. Um, I just don't like the NFL. The no fun league is not for me. Are you are you a CFL guy? What's that? <laughs> I said, are you a CFL guy? <laughs> 
I yeah, think that was the desired. Uh, no, I got gotcha. you. Bombers are great. I love the Brampton <laughs> Bombers. There you go. Oh, that's good. James, oh, you're weak, guys. Me? Yeah. Uh, what did I do? I don't like. Well, you were been... telling me about a video game you've been playing that I have. Also yeah. So been playing. okay. So yeah. I mean, I just I jumped back into God of War, and I say jump back in. I played it for like forty minutes the first time around, and then I was like, well, this is really. Like everyone says this game is incredible and it's the best game of all time and they just replay it. I'm like, I'm struggling to get through the first 40 minutes because I was telling Dustin, I feel like you play the same, like this linear kind of like throw the axe, kill the guy, climb through like, you know, but you say it gets better. So I'm going to keep, and I mean, everybody says it's their favorite game of all time. So I'm going to keep powering through I, this part. Well, I wouldn't say it's my favorite game of all time, but I recognize that it was very, very good and I liked a lot about it. But I mean, it does get better. So I, and to I be honest, stick with it. But this was not the game I was talking about. And to be honest, like I'm trying to hold it all in for the NFL recap, but like it's really tough right now to hold it in. So um, I'll share the the jubilation, oh. Dustin. The jubilation. Oh um, no, I was I was referring to uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley that you've been playing. Oh, I play that too. I've been playing Disney Dreamlight Valley with my daughter, which is basically like Animal Crossing with Disney characters, and it's legit so much fun. But I'll give kind of like a little pre shout out to uh, a work colleague of mine. She went down to New York because her friend uh, has a job where basically like it's like she's an assistant for like a life assistant for someone who's like really fucking important. I don't know what they do. I don't know whatever but basically they just manage their like personal things like picking the kids up from school whatever she gets paid a shit ton of money so she went to visit her cousin and i guess that cousin's boss gave them tickets to the new york jets luncheon kickoff and so she got to take pictures with george fan and like all these jets players and i'm like i'm the only jets fan in this country let alone this office and you're the one who gets to fucking go to this so i don't know if i have it no it's over there but she brought back this stuff and she gave it to me. She gave me this. Oh, that's awesome. Jets kickoff towel. And there's a hat over there um, that says kickoff 2022. Um, which is really fucking cool. You know, speaking of uh, kickoffs, um, something that I totally forgot about being a thing, and this is very much ingrained into football culture in the US. But a couple of weekends ago when I did that trip to Pittsburgh and Cleveland for baseball to see the Blue Jays down in Pittsburgh and then just a random game in Cleveland. When we arrived in Pittsburgh, Again, totally forgot this was a thing, but the Americans do this. Like, everyone's sitting in the parking lot, tailgating, oh, yeah. playing Dude, cornhole, for sure. pounding back beers. I'm like, this is just... I thought this was a football thing. Like, I understand this is an American thing, but I thought it was an American football thing. No, it's, uh, it's, it's a thing for every event, right? If I may, Dustin, like you, I, I have made it a point to visit every single ball stadium, and I've been at half of them in the league. And every single one I've ever been to has had a parking lot that's just bumping, ready to go. What's the best one? And what's the best one? And Pittsburgh, they do it under the highway overpass. What's the best that's one you've crazy been to? Crazy to me. Wait, like you go to the, you went to half these ballparks, right? What was the one where you're just like these guys are fucking wild? Okay, believe it or not, Milwaukee. Milwaukee knows how to party. <laughs> I mean, they're the Brewers. I believe they're wasn't the, that, okay, first of all, yeah. I think it's a yeah, line from Wayne's you're, World. You're, you're, you know exactly and underrated logo for sure when it comes to the that baseball glove that's actually an m and a b i mean beautiful logo beautiful stadium hell of a stadium but, yeah and they're it's just it's well organized it's kind of in the middle of nowhere but the parking lot's huge and they have uh 
what are those called? Those large golf carts? Where the, the the larger ones that you see at the airport? Yeah, like the can carry like the luggage transport. People. Yeah, yeah. The, if you're at the far end and loaded, they'll come and pick you up. <laughs> and Enough take said. you to the game. Yeah, like, can you pick me up in Toronto? Let's go. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. That's yeah. amazing. Milwaukee outside a party, baby. Yeah, I went to first. I went to a Bills game once, a preseason game. Um, I was going to take the girl I was dating at the time, but, but like I was just fresh out of high school and she was in her last year of high school. And her dad was like, there's no way you're driving down to Buffalo, like alone with this guy. Like that's not happening. So I ended up taking my buddy. Um, cause she was like, she was, her family was a whole Packers fan and it was far. was going to play like two snaps and that would be kind of cool, you know, before the guy ended up in New York jet. So, um, we went to Buffalo and it was it was a preseason game and it was absolutely fucking wild how how crazy these people were going for preseason and i remember going and like there were like literally no places to park and this lady was selling parking on her lawn she was like had a sign it's like ten dollars you can park on my lawn and she had like 15 cars already on her lawn so we go there and i i'm like hey she's like oh you boys are from canada and I'm like, yeah, she said, how sweet. You better park at the back. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, what does that mean? So we ended up parking. I guess she was, like, afraid of, like, it getting robbed or, like, vandalized or something. And then, uh, but, yeah, um, Ralph Wilson Stadium was a dump. Uh, it stank. Uh, it still is. Well, it, it still, still is. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever experienced the piss troughs. Mm-hmm. First time. Broke yeah, my piss I've trough virginity. Seen, I- I feel like they had that in Detroit as well in Ford Field. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like I've seen it once before, and it was also a very odd experience. Is that a thing of the past? Maple Leaf Gardens as well. Did, the gardens was... had that, seriously? Yeah. Oh, okay. Imagine seeing that as a nine-year-old, pulling out a little <laughs> nine-year-old dick and being like, I'm supposed to McDonald's arch this into this? Forget it. <laughs> right? My dad's like, it's fine. Go for it. I was like, Dad, I can't. What? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember a high requirement for that ride. Yeah, I don't remember that <laughs> yeah. at the gardens. Um, but that's got to be a thing of the past, right? Like, except for these old ass stadiums, like nobody's building a new stadium with piss troughs. Like, that's not that's not on the blueprint, right? No, right. everyone's too afraid of showing their penis in public these days. True, monkeypox, bro. Monkeypox are real. What does your week look like? Starts. A lot of sorrow. A lot of sorrow. So, so that's an impressive week. Um, <laughs> not sorrow, whatever, man. It happens. Um, I did come down with uh, what I thought was COVID earlier this week or earlier last week. I had a haircut book that I had to push back a week, so that was unfortunate. Um, but it turns out, you know, didn't hit a single positive test. I was just under the weather. So I, like, I think what James said to me like last week is like, regular sick is still a thing. <laughs> so just because <laughs> yeah. you get sick doesn't mean it's always COVID. But I think everyone's just paranoid about it. Like the second you have like the slight hint of being sick, he's like, fuck, okay, shut it down. I'm not going anywhere. Staying it's because, away from people, wearing a mask. Like, it's also because you're used to like being well. Like for two years, nobody got sick. Like, yeah. and if you did, there's a good chance you died. Like that was the, that was the status quo for like two years. But like now, and now like the whole culture behind being sick has changed too, right? Work, like there's no more sick days for a lot of corporate places. It's, oh, you're sick, work from home. Like you just keep working, but just do it from home, right? And then uh, 
Anthony, maybe you you experienced this as well as me. Like children's meds are like completely sold out off the shelves because I think everybody's hoarding them in, in advance of like flu season too, right? Because everyone knows hospitals, doctors, they're all going to be backed up. So well. I have some insight to that if you'd like to know, James. Yeah. Um, a client of mine works for Johnson Johnson on their pharmaceutical side, and I'm sure this is really stimulating for everybody who tuned in for the sports <laughs> talk. But um, there was actually a couple components that they needed either from China, Russia, or the Ukraine that Tylenol wasn't able to get out. But you'll be happy to know that most children's meds should be back on the shelf sh- soon. But if you need that children's Tylenol, you give me a call. I got to hook up. It's all good. Don't worry. I got you, <laughs> bro. That's the most juvenile drug dealer I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> I won't gouge like people on uh, Amazon right now. $35 for a bottle of children's Tylenol. That's eight ninety nine. Unreal. So fortunately, uh, based on this sickness, there is a fortunate side to this. Um, I was probably 100% by Friday. But I was looking at the calendar and like, do I really want to go to London, Ontario and do a fair show for Smash Wrestling on Saturday? No, I don't want to do that. So I was able to skip out on the Saturday. Uh, Because, listen, pro wrestling is the most carny shit in all of carny shit, right? But when you take a carny show and (laughs) And put put it in in the carny, (laughs) in a carnival, you know what's going to happen? Carny stuff. It's carnate to the power two. Right. It's Carney Squared. All right. And I was okay with missing that one. Uh, I, I was, however, at the return of Smash Wrestling to Toronto at the Rec Room on Sunday nights. It was a lot of fun. It was cool just seeing a bunch of people we haven't seen forever. Like, obviously, I'm still connected with other wrestling people. Um, like, when I go to Barry Wrestling, I see Alan and his crew. When I go to Greek Town, I still see, like, a handful of Smash guys that I used to see. But... It's more of like the people in the crowd you don't ever see anywhere else. It's like, oh yeah, like I, like like Chrissy for example. Like that is one person that I would never see ever again in my life, unless like bump into her at a concert or something. But like, there's never a time in my life where I would probably cross paths with this person ever again, other than at a smash event. So it was cool seeing a bunch of those people, and um, I, as we were discussing before the show started, it was a it was a different card, we'll say than uh, smash normally does like there wasn't a lot of um <laughs> i was thinking about this uh yesterday morning where i was like remember the pillars of smash wrestling like they had that whole gimmick of like we are the pillars like it's literally how the song went we are the pillars um <laughs> the pillars was seb who doesn't wrestle for smash anymore uh brent banks who i mean is a ghost for all i know like that guy just disappears off the face of the earth Tarek, who hasn't come back and i don't know if he if he will and Tyson, who hasn't come back, and I don't think he will. And I, I think from my conversation with Tyson, I think he's wrapping it up and this is the end of his career. Like once this year, calendar year ends, like he's done. So what's interesting of like uh, the 2020 pause or like the COVID pause of the world where we went from like a, a certain roster and then all of a sudden that roster is completely different. And I don't know if that's something everyone's dealing with but like it's interesting of like how the roster is completely changed and like also like guys like hacker scotty o'shea like for other reasons entirely like the guy i mean we love him to death and we wish him well but like i don't know if he'll walk again let alone wrestle again right so like so many things have changed in two three years or whatever it's hard to all of a sudden come back to right where you left off like so much things are gonna have to change 
What I find yeah, interesting. Oh no, go ahead, Anthony. I, I was just gonna say for for the listeners, I I was a super mark for Smash Wrestling, and that's how I know these two guys. It's through Smash, and I gotta say, I wondered how Smash was gonna return, and you know, like we did talk about it a little bit beforehand, but I thought it was pretty soft, and I even like I'm on this Facebook group of like Smash super fans, and even like there, there wasn't even like a any rumblings of, of anything and it, it was honestly a little it was it was kind of like getting back with a girlfriend after like a break after like three or four months and you're like well do i ask a question or do i not ask a question and it's like i don't know it just it didn't feel is the question like the real like, deal how many people you've been banging a hundred percent a hundred percent how many people yeah. did you bang in the meantime yeah Bang-y. everybody except for me or <laughs> Yeah. Right. You know, I was going to say, you know, I find it interesting. We used to draw the comparison. Uh, the, I just made up a word. Comparison and parallel. Comparallels. The comparallel? Yeah, I'm going to save that. I'm making that. That's a word now, and I'm going to use that. it. We're going to put that on a t-shirt right there. There's the first yeah. ever 43.6 t-shirt yeah. is comparallel. I think you just named the episode, actually. Right? <laughs> um, so we used to draw the comparallels to uh, progress because we had similar opening times. We had similar rises to, to prominence in our respective countries. Um, we had like the versus shows. We were intertwined as Mark Haskins had won uh, our title in the UK, and we had this kind of almost brother sister relationship um, until Plus there was also like the uh, the on demand service. I think at the time, the only promotions in the world doing an on demand service was like WWE Network, New Japan, Demand Progress, and Smash On Demand. We're like the only and, four in the and world ICW. at the time, and ICW. And ICW, right? And but like it was also on the same web server as Progress. Yeah. Like, well, that's if you where subscribe to Demand Progress, you got Smash. If you subscribe to Smash, you got Demand. Pro- like there was yeah. a lot of commingling there as well. Right. Yeah. And then things went away. The a lot of the dudes, well, all the dudes from Progress are no longer there. It's a completely different company. Like it's it's a new owner, new uh, host, new everything. Um, and you can tell by the things they share and the way it's presented, it's just, it's not the same. Like it just, there's something missing. And I don't know whether it's the, the recipe of a Jim, John and Glenn, you know, who like for all, for everything, listen, Glenn had to go away for his own reasons. Um, you know, and John is a great guy. Um, you know, and WWE, I don't, I don't know the full extent of their relationship, but like, I know Jim works for WWE now. Like I think he's a Jim writer for NXT living proper. Living in Orlando, working for NXT. Yeah, he's a head writer or one of the writers for NXT proper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and John was doing production stuff. So like, it's it. But you look, go look at the like. And I'm not. This is not tearing anybody down. It's just, it's just not the same. There's there's a, you know, catching lightning in a bottle, especially in that industry, is very difficult. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll see what happens. Just to touch on that. Just to touch on that comment, James, it's like, as a fan, like you guys were on the inside and maybe you guys were too close, but we were so excited for the, the, the all the following show. After leaving a show, couldn't wait for the next show. And, uh, and of course, like we made it a big deal. We wanted to be front row. We wanted to see if we can get you, we can crack Allen or, you know, like, you know, make Brent Banks laugh or something like that. Like we were so gun ho for every show. You're right. Lighting in a bottle is the exact way to phrase it. But also something you said about like, um, I think you're saying like it's just like the space in between goes back to my analogy of 
ex-girlfriend as well too like there's just probably too much space in between and i don't know i just think it was um at the time was the right time and then now it's just it might ha- it almost has to come back as something else and leave leave a like, smash branding behind or come back with a new look new branding or something like that yeah anyway it's not to be a dead horse no well, where I was going with that, it was it was a good show, even though <laughs> even though like the the card looked uh, different than a normal Smash Wrestling event card looked. It was still a really good show because if you look at it, like it, it didn't look like a typical Smash event because there wasn't the the cast of characters you're used to. But Joe Hendry's real good, and Dalton Castle is real good, and um, Charles Crowley isn't my thing, but like. Him having a match with Psycho Mike was good booking. Like it was, a, it was a goofy comedy match, and if you like that sort of thing, you would love that match. Um, it's not my thing, but for the people that love like goofy comedy wrestling, like if you're a fan of all elite wrestling, like you would love that match. Like if you're a fan of Orange Cassidy, you would love that match. But like, this is always going to be my thing, and it's not just it's not just a a smash criticism coming from me who used to work there. It's the the mid two thousand New York Rangers had Hall of Famers on every fucking line they were good they were great if, if you can't balance it or make it like it then having great guys is meaningless right like it's 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 not going to it'll it might work again in in a echo chamber and in a small but you have to figure out how to build beyond that and it's something i always used to preach when i was there when, when do you figure out how to make the logo sell right that's that's the ultimate goal is when the name on the front sells more than the name on the back of the jersey. And until until you figure out that algorithm and that equation, it's always going to be hit or miss, right? Like it's always going to be hit or miss. So that's, you know, and those guys are probably fantastic. But are those guys going to be there every show? No, of course not. And right? there's a philosophy to, and I, I know we're going way down the rabbit hole of professional wrestling booking, but <laughs> uh, there's this a philosophy switch to off topic. Yeah, <laughs> you must switch it. You already switched it off topic. Perfect. Oh, yeah, it's off topic. Um, okay. There's a philosophy in wrestling booking that I subscribe to, and I'm not the booker. I don't have the pencil here. It's not like whatever. I just get booked to talk into a microphone. <laughs> but there is a philosophy of wrestling booking that I subscribe to where if you're going to book a name to draw in an audience, and you can argue whether or not Dalton Castle is a big enough name or not. That's not the point. If you're going to book a name to draw an audience on that same event, you better have a hot angle of your local guys. We've had, yeah, we had this conversation. Right. So like when the casual fan shows up and this probably isn't necessarily a comparable example for smash, because I don't think they had that for this event. And again, I thought the show was great. I think a better comparable is Greek town where they brought in Bret Hart, right. To do an autograph signing. On that show, and I don't know if they did or didn't. I honestly don't remember that much about that show. It was so long ago now, and that's how bad my memory is now. But when you have hundreds, maybe even like a thousand people jammed into one of the most historic buildings in Toronto wrestling history to see Bret Hart, man, you better hit him with a hot angle. So the next show, when Bret's not there, because Bret's not going to be there every month. He won't be there once a year. The next month, when you come back to that building, you want to get all those people that showed up to see Bret Hart and happen to be there for a wrestling event as well. Give them something for them to say, oh, shit, I want to come back next month to see what's going to happen next. You know what? And 
Justin, you're 100% correct. And I mean, just to add to my fandom for Smash, I, when my I bit on Smash when I was taking a piss at a urinal at the Sportsplex and they had an ad for, at the time, freshly released uh, Chris Hero and freshly kind of released AJ Styles. And I was like, this is like the two hottest free agents in the industry right now at this indie show in Toronto. I got to check this out. That show was so hot. Me and my brother rambled the whole drive home about how good that show was. Of course, Brett Banks was on that show, and we were we fell in love with him instantly on that show. But for us, he stole the show. But we couldn't wait to see him the next show as well. So just to confirm what you're saying, 100%, you got to get people to bite on who's going to stick around, not who's here for the, the one-night stand. Yeah, it's it's very fishing, right? Like, Bret Hart's the bait. Like, how do you reel them in? Like, that's... And that's that's forever going to be the the equation. And it's not one person and it's not even, you know, like I said, we had that exact conversation golfing at the end of the day. If you, if you can't figure out a way to sell them without bringing in guy X, B, whatever, eventually you're just going to be, you're, you're going to, it's going to be a loss leader every time. And you're going to, you're sure you can equate some of it to marketing and advertising as part of like a budget, but eventually like that's going to run out. And eventually you're going to cycle, you're going to go through the order, right? The batting order and you're going to bring guys and then it's the second time around for those guys. And I've always said the best way to do it is how, like, and I think this came from Jim Ross. I think that's where I heard it first is you better have more questions than answers. And that's, that should always be the goal is to have more questions than answers. So I got to say as well as, as a big fan of this podcast, I listen to almost every episode. I've been wanting more wrestling talk, so thank you guys. I appreciate. it. <laughs> well, it's it's inspired by you, so thank you. That's oh, uh, I'll take it. Right. We actually have a lot of wrestling talk planned on this episode, we'll get to but that we too. are. I promise you, we are going to talk about some sports. And the first topic that we do want to talk about is, of course, NFL Week Two is almost in the books. As we are recording, there are two games currently happening right now, which I love, by the way. I think there always should be two games on Monday night. I don't like this whole two games at the same time thing on Monday night. If we can do like an East Coast game and a West Coast game, fantastic, especially since I'm working from home and like I can stay up till, you know, one o'clock in the morning and be okay with it. But there was still was a lot of storylines, we'll say, coming out of the NFL week two. Um, There's a number of things. Um, I think James has been holding on to this one for a while. So let's start there. The New York Jets, guys, like, let's just put the headlines out right now. Something that we never thought we would ever see. The New York Jets won a game. They're going to the Super Bowl. That's I it. mean, that's not, that's not like that. The New York Jets won a game and James is losing his mind. He's, he's jo- throwing his uh, China jersey on his back <laughs> and celebrating uh, as if the Jets just won the Super Bowl. Joe, uh, <laughs> I still think Joe Flacco sucks, but uh, the, <laughs> the, Browns, the Browns secondary made Joe Flacco look like the second coming of Tom Brady. Um, or the Jets rookies are just that good. Uh, Garrett Wilson with two touchdowns. In fact, the game winning touchdown, um, or game tying, I guess the field goal won the game or the point after, um, Brees Hall looked fantastic. Sauce Gardner looked amazing. Like all these rookies looked fantastic. Uh, Flacco hit a wide open Corey Davis to, to get them within one touchdown at the end of the game. If you go back and look at that play, there's literally zero reason that that DB just, fucking stops 
he's he's looking at Corey Davis, and then he stops and lo- watches the play, and his feet just stop moving. And I don't like I can't for life of me figure out why he just maybe he didn't believe in Flacco's arm. He's like this fucking guy can't throw that far. Uh, but how sweet oh. it was that the the Jets scored a touchdown, an onside kick, and another touchdown, and Joe Flacco gets the dub while your Ravens blow it. Uh, we come back in incredible fashion. Your team blows an incredible performance by Lamar Jackson. All right, so here's the thing. I will say this. I, I was kind of uh, disappointed in the Jets just because I had the Cleveland defense on my fantasy football team that I picked up specifically just because they were playing the Jets. And I was thinking, well, I mean, they're going to rack in the sacks and the interceptions because they're playing yeah, you the Jets. It. The Jets are horrible. You deserve it. And no, I, I, I got... Um, I got nothing out of Cleveland, but that's okay. I, what I also did end up doing, though, I ended up picking up Garrett Wilson on my fantasy team. Not the league that you and I are in, James, but this other league. The guy had 14 targets. Dude, he's good. He's, a, he's really good. And I'm hoping this continues. 14 targets, 8 receptions, 102 yards, and 2 touchdowns when, for the kid who's played 2 professional games in his life. Dude, when, he, when Zach Wilson comes back... And if, if he can figure it out, that whole offense is going to be lethal between Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, Brees Hall, Michael Carter. Like, the if they can get an O-line, lethal. So Tell I got really it. excited uh, because I thought I had something to contribute to this because I thought for sure Joe Flacco was the same name as the quarterback in the movie The Replacements. <laughs> but then I looked it up. It's Shane Flacco. So I was, I, mean, I was like, "Oh man, what are the, what are the chances?" It was, it was pretty close, though. It was definitely based uh, off the same guy. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna be useless in this conversation. I'm it's so okay. sorry. No, that's good. I was gonna say it's probably based on the same guy. Uh, the other interesting thing that I thought out of last—I mean, I don't even want to talk about the Ravens. Whatever, they lost the game. We give a shit. To Tua, turn the uh, ball over, no less. Tua scored six touchdowns. I mean, I don't think Tua. All, Tyreek Hill went off after the game saying all the haters better jump on the Tua bandwagon. He actually, listen, the guy looked good. We'll see. I would have tempered expectations if you think Tua Tagovailoa is going to continue to play at this caliber. I understand Tyreek Hill is a fantastic player and he is a cheat code. But he also threw threw to nobodies. He threw to nobodies. Go look at those touchdowns. I mean, Tyreek Hill had two of them, did he not? Yeah, but there was another. I forget. See, I don't even know the other guy that had one. Wait, quick question: Are the Ravens supposed to be good this year? <laughs> See, I don't think so. That's the no. Problem. I think I think they're supposed to be middle like, of the pack. Yeah, I, okay. and the Jets are supposed to be bad this year, or are they supposed the to be better? The Jets are just bad every year, so that's just the running yeah. joke. Right? Like they're like the on, like they're the they're like the hacky sack of the league, right? They just get yeah. kicked around. Yeah, essentially. Okay. So the Jets won and the Ravens were middle of the pack, guys. <laughs> didn't win. That's what I'm taking from this conversation. That's yes. exactly what ended up happening. Did the Colts win or did they tie? The Colts got hammered by the Jaguars. Oh. They got shut out. The Jag- uh, Wait, are those the Jaguars supposed to be bad? They are supposed to be not so good. Um, though Trevor Lawrence looked fantastic. Trevor Lawrence looked like everything that was promised. And, and uh, you One know, thing having Travis. From this podcast. And it's true. Someone said, I can't remember who it was, that the Jaguars have a whole bunch of new fans because of AEW. And yes. I would agree. Let's go Jags. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. And 
James and I were talking about our uh, failed betting slips yesterday, and yours was so bad. <laughs> mine so was. Bad. I had a four game parlay, and all four teams lost. It's like, well, <laughs> I guess next week I'm going to do the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. Our boy but, JP uh, though I, was one one game away, and it was your team that cost him two grand. Yep, no, that's it's too bad. I know, right? But I, I think it was I, I don't, maybe it was your ticket or maybe it was Maddie's ticket. But someone had a ticket that lost because of the Jags winning that game. A oh, Maddie's ticket, I and think, or it was yeah. Maddie's ticket. And basically, my response is that's what you get for doubting our boy TK. You know, Tony Khan knows what's up, and you you can't be betting against the Jags anymore. We are all Jags fans by adjacency. So going forward, you need to start betting on the Jags because that is what Tony Khan would want. Go Jags. Uh, what the, uh, so <laughs> remember, I don't I think it was last week on the show when Dak Prescott got injured and we sat around here and we said, the Cowboys need to go out and get themselves Jimmy Garoppolo. They need to do it right now. Don't waste time. I don't care what it takes. Give them, they need, like, I mean, Eliza Mitchell went down, like give them Tony yeah. Pollard, a couple draft picks. Get a starting quarterback in Dallas because you're going to need one. Dallas went out and ended up beating the Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl last year with their backup quarterback. And at the same time, Trey Lance injures himself and is out for the season. So now your 49ers are like, well, thank God we still have Jimmy Garoppolo. I was saying they look like geniuses, right? Like they look right. The whole offseason, everyone's wondering where is Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo going to be? And what are we going to, and what the, and I'm sure 49ers fans are like, what are we, like, they're like, what are we going to get for him? How are we going to make this team better with this, with this quarterback? And now he's a necessity. There's an alternate universe somewhere where that trade happened and the Dallas Cowboys ended up with Jimmy G. And then Trey Lance gets hurt. Could you imagine the panic that would be happening in San Francisco right now? Like oh. You have all these stars on this team with Eliza Mitchell and Debo Samuel and, and Brandon, Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk yeah. George Kittle's hurt. And but now he's... all of a sudden, and George Kittle, who's also hurt. <laughs> he's actually at Monday Night Raw right now. Oh. What, could, oh. not, could Colin Kaepernick not get into the game? <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> I mean, that is, you know what? I feel bad that none of us last week came up with Colin Kaepernick as a great solution for the Dallas Cowboys. He worked out with the Jets. I was here here waiting, guys. He just had to go. He worked out with the Jets like two years ago, I think, or like a year and a half. I don't... I hope he goes to the XFL. I mean, that would be cool if he was in the XFL. I could see The Rock giving him a gig. St. Louis Battlehawks. I could see The Rock giving him a gig. Who was the other guy with the... uh, had that signature was the money sign. Uh, Played for, I think... Cleveland or Cincinnati? Oh, Johnny like, Manziel. He won the Heisman. Johnny yeah, Manziel. Manziel. Johnny Manziel. He played for the Johnny Montreal Manziel Alouettes. Was last playing in the uh, fan control football league for the oh. uh, the Zappers. He was yeah. a part of former Hamilton Ticat, I think, in Montreal Alouette. I think he did play in the CFL for a brief period of time as well. Was he just not very good, or what? What was it? Because was he's he kind, was good in college? He's kind of a moron. He was good in college. Um, Thought his shit didn't stink, right? Like, and you know, he, he was undersized too. Like, he was really, really tough. It's really tough when you can't throw over the linemen. Like, I think that's like, it becomes really difficult for for certain QBs to to like. 
I can't even like I think if you look at all the QBs in the NFL right now, I don't I don't know if there are any short, stocky, successful QBs right now. It's Kyler Murray. Okay, there's one. Um, so uh, <laughs> that you bring up Johnny Manziel, he won the Heisman Trophy that year. Do you remember who was uh, second in voting? Oh, can I guess? Yes. Okay, again, not a football fan, but I'm going to guess Wilson. I can't remember. <laughs> Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson? I thought you were just throwing out a random name that would be like, that could possibly be it. Wilson. It's like, you mean Russell Wilson? No, Wilson <laughs> no. from Castaway the Ball? <laughs> right. It's like that uh, Trailer Park Boys uh, joke with Ricky where he gets pulled over by the cops and he's like, you know Jim or Jim knows you or just hoping that he's going to know a Jim, right? And it's like, oh, Jim, my dad, Jim? That's right. He did have. He did mention he had a son in the force. So, small world, eh? <laughs> um, anyways, no, it was uh, Manti Teo who was. Oh, I don't know if he was. He was a runner-up in that year with the. And you're shaking your head like you don't know who Manti Teo is. That's why I'm bringing this up because there was that Netflix documentary recently with Manti Teo on it. Fantastic, Anthony. You got to look this up. Yeah, if you don't know the, the story the, of Manti Teo, the fake girlfriend. No, I don't. He had a fake girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the I saw the preview to this. I thought that was the other guy who killed all those people. No, that's Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez. That's who also I'm has a doc- also, also has a documentary on Netflix. On Netflix. <laughs> okay, so yeah. not the same guys. What you're saying? Not, not, <laughs> so the same not guy. all football say, players are the same. Although no. the fake girlfriend <laughs> does end up dying. Yeah. Oh shit! R.I.P. Uh, yeah, exactly. Pour one so, out. Definitely, definitely something to check out on Netflix. Again, it was. I, I want to apologize to the nice listeners of this podcast. I'm sorry I don't know anything about American football. I just don't care about the NFL. I'm sorry. <laughs> quite all right. It's quite all right. But as, as someone who has like two, I pulled two relatively expensive tra- Trey Lance cards. I'm actually very upset right now because sports cards are like stocks right now. And if the player's doing well and they're hot, you can sell that shit for hundreds of dollars. So my two cards were worth at least 300 each and now they're down to about 100 each and i'm super pissed um so i'm gonna hold hold hodl hold on for dear life until next year um and hopefully sorry (laughs) not hodor um yeah it's kind of a bummer collection can be so fickle it is it is very fickle um it's all especially now in the in the buy and sell game of it all like it's so performance dependent right like Guy has a guy has a great game. Like think about, I mean, it was a little more sustained last year, but in basketball, Jordan Poole goes off in preseason, and his rookie cards. He plays for the the Golden State Warriors. If uh, if you don't know Dustin or, or Anthony, but his cards went oh crazy, uh, and he sustained it throughout the year. But like nobody gave a shit about Jordan Poole till he dropped thirty in preseason. You know what I mean? Like it's it's unreal. So like I was all in on Trey Lance. I have a couple of Justin Fields, and of course I collect Zach Wilson who's currently not playing. So he's real cheap buying right now. Buy low right now on Zach Wilson, but I'm a little bit bummed about the Trey Lance situation. As I'm sure most people in San Francisco are as well, but I mean, at least they have Jimmy G, so they're lucky there. Um, I That's about and he all looked I great. to touch on. Uh, Wait, by the way, Jimmy G looked fan-fucking-tastic. Jimmy G always looks good, and that's why the conversation was, why don't they trade this guy? He's a Oh, I wasn't talking about his play. NFL. I was high was playing that relation man. to Janine. <laughs> Janine G. Janine Garofalo? No? <laughs> Anybody? Is this thing on? Did I hit mute again? Shit. 
That's good. Uh, you mean uh, physically because he's an attractive man. Is what Jimmy Gorgeous. I mean, the guy could, yeah. if he wasn't playing, he'd just be a model. Guys, go, uh, I'm not I'm afraid to say it. What's his name dude, again? Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not spelling it for you, dude. Just try get close and Google will figure it out for you. I mean, you could just try Jimmy Gorgeous and that would come up too. <laughs> they call him Jimmy like, Gorgeous because he's good I looking. I wonder, if you type into Google and you type in Jimmy and then G, okay, would, gorgeous, was, would Garoppolo come up first or Gorgeous come okay, up first? So because I'm doing it right now, I wrote, I typed in J-I-M, he's the first guy to pop up and then Jimmy, what's his name? Garoppolo. 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 Yeah. Wife and then age. And then Jimmy Butler is a fifth choice after that. <laughs> All right. Let's see how handsome this guy is. Now, as, as, uh, as a hairstylist, I feel, oh, he's not. Okay. Actually, once <laughs> the first one, the first photo, not, not smiling. No, yeah, the second yeah, one. Right? Sure. Yeah. Second, smiling. Oh, my God. Okay. I see it now. <laughs> yeah, I, believe he did, I believe he did it a porn star, too. So, um, not that I well, think that's okay. incredibly difficult. Hold, hold on. What constitutes a porn star now? Uh, so do you have to guess. be like, so is it kind of like the wrestling industry where are you a professional wrestler unless you're signed in on TV? Or are you a professional wrestler if you're also doing independence? So in the world of pornography, I would say like OnlyFans and to lesser extent, maybe some also like alternative, like um, online media could also be considered like independent contractor i think if you're making money to live like if you can survive on what you make then you're a professional or if people like if you've done more than one movie you're a porn (laughs) you're a porn actor but what but people have to see it though i think people have to see rogers who wins for best wife but i think that's that's the the next top five top five football players wives (laughs) i think people have to see your video you could anthony you could have 15 sex tapes and we wouldn't know about it does that make you a porn star oh yeah because there's probably a ton of porn stars that you don't you don't know of their material but i mean somebody would have to see it i think somebody has to see it yeah you have you have to be somewhat famous you have to okay how about this you have to be in the top 10 of porn hubs porn actors hold, hold that thought though because what about mia khalifa Oh, Who? she's an all-time. She's an all-star. She's a Hall of Famer. Hold on, hold on. But to your point, she relatively is short on, career. She has to be on the top ten every year of most searched like uh, yeah. actors. We'll say for good reason. Um, yeah, I would imagine like the view counts on the videos are high consistently every year. Yeah, I saw an interview with her like years ago, and she was saying like she got paid once, like X amount of dollars. I think it was like ten grand or something. To do like a day of filming. Yeah. Right. And that's been it. Like she hasn't seen any more money since that $10,000 she got however many years ago. But now what? She does like some NBA show on actual television. And like, so would you consider her a porn star? Probably not. I no. mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but if she, she probably makes bank from the rights on all these videos. She doesn't though. That's what I'm saying. Like she doesn't own the videos. Like whatever the production company was that paid her to do it. They own it in perpetuity. Imagine getting dicked twice like that. <laughs> Wouldn't be like, so bad if you liked it. So I, I guess that's true. Also true. Then it's only really all right. So, move, so moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I love the sports speak, talk. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of getting screwed, uh, we have a weekly segment now where we pick a football matchup, and 
our lock of the week, we'll call it. Something that if you're crazy enough to bet, uh, don't pick what we pick because, I mean, we were as bad. we discussed earlier, <laughs> my four-game parlay, all four teams lost. And one of my picks last week was the Bengals over the Cowboys. I figured Cowboys, backup quarterback, decimated offensive line. Bengals were in the Super Bowl last year. Very good defense, supposedly. And, you know, whatever. They end up losing anyways. James said Steelers over Patriots, and Steelers it was definitely close. did not beat the Patriots. Either. It was close. The only one who got it right was Maddie. He said the Bucks over the Saints. So currently, Maddie is winning one nothing. James, do you have a pick? Actually, before we get to your pick, Maddie gave me his pick, even though he's in another part of the world right now. Maddie is picking Kansas City over the Colts. So that Shit, one is off. That was going to be Anthony. So we'll uh, I'll write that one in for Anthony's pick as well. The uh, Kansas City. I'll over pick the another Colts. one. Don't worry, I got another one. Go. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, James, Kansas City is now off the board. You cannot use Kansas City. I'm um, going. And you cannot. You cannot use the Steelers because you picked them last week. I'm going with the Raiders over the Titans. Raiders over the Titans. Book it. Is it just because short short week for the Titans because they're playing on Monday night? Is that your feeling or what? Listen, the Raiders are also a good fucking football team. I guess so. Okay. Devontae Adams, buddy. I was I was gonna pick my uh, Jaguars over the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> but <laughs> I am going to say uh, I'm going to say the Bucks over the Packs. That's a good thing. Right. Okay, yeah. I, I don't hate it. I'm okay. Um, because after that bullshit scrummage that they had, Tom Brady's going to be locked and loaded. Let's go, baby. That's a good that's point. Cool. That was something I had on my list to talk about, but I just kind of skipped over it because I didn't think it mattered all that much. But now that you bring it up, Mike Evans was suspended one game for the, you know, the as Anthony said, and there's quite the Dude, skirmish that went on in that game. He launched, Evans has he launched game. that guy. Like, it was a shove, he did, but yeah. he, he launched him. Like, if you can shove somebody and that, like, you're a G. Like, if you, if, you, if you fly back that far on a shove, you're kind of a pussy. Like, that's not, like, dude. That, that dude got air, like, those two guys that have those, um, those hamster wheels around them, and they get, like... <laughs> Those balloon things and they get launched. Yeah, that it looked bad. So I'm glad I'm adding so much to this too, guys. <laughs> uh, my pick for week three, the lock. Uh, I'm not fooling around anymore. This one's a lock. You can bet the farm on this one. Buffalo over Miami. You're taking Just, Buffalo this on. early, eh? I am burning my Buffalo this early. I'm already down one nothing. I need to stop the bleeding here. Buffalo over Miami for my lock of the week, week three. And that is our NFL coverage for this week, as uh, Anthony is probably relieved of, as such. <laughs> we'll move on to the NHL. There is one story in the NHL that we thought was at least interesting and worth the conversation. The Winnipeg Jets announced earlier this week that they're just going to strip the captaincy off Blake Wheeler. <laughs> just, yeah, we don't want this guy anymore. And even though he's still with the team, and that's not going to be awkward at all. But they're, they sent out a press release and saying that they're going in a new direction and they're going to have... And there's nothing that bothered me about this. Where I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but they basically said they're going to go with three assistants or whatever. James, you grew up playing hockey. Is it not alternate captains? This whole assistant thing, that's, that's nonsense, right? That's someone like conflating something that's not a thing. 
Uh, we it, was, it just goes back and forth. I mean, it's like when we were kids, we called it assistant because I think like alternate wasn't like alternate's kind of a, a big kid word. Um, okay. But I don't know why. It's just it seems more mature. Um, the uh, so we we called them assistants when we were younger. So I but they they uh, alternate always sounded weird to me uh, when I was a kid. So like in, in my teenage years, but. As someone, as someone who was the captain, I didn't really have to worry about it. Oh, I see how it is. Okay. Oh, oh my god. All right. <laughs> but um, so by the way, but the I, did I ever um, did I ever tell you the story? Like when I was captain of my team here in in Willowdale, Ontario, my coach is um, well, was he's not is was is is currently Mitch Marner's skills coach. So Marner tr- trained with him since he was four years old, um, and. Uh, they still train in the summer. His name's Rob DeVoe. Fucking great coach. Chose me as captain. Um, so must be fucking incredible. Um, and yeah, and he works with also uh, Anthony Sorelli in the off season. Like, yeah, um, guys, hell of a, a skills coach. Played semi-pro in Europe, I think. Um, so yeah, really interesting. that. And I heard him once on Fan 590, sadly having to talk to Nick Kiprios. So um, <laughs> on the drive home. And I was like, "Oh, there's there's my coach talking to Nick Kiprios. Clearly not having a good time." Um, but yeah, that's just a little side story there. Uh, on my I would love to touch on the topic if possible. Sure. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yes. As now, shameless plug first on the Not for Thirty podcast, we have a Hockey Town sub series as well as a Leaf edition, uh, where we've come to the conclusion that not only is Winnipeg the shittiest city in all of Canada. But the fans are hands down the worst. And that's they are worse above Ottawa Center fans, which are very, very shitty fans. And of course Montreal Canadian fans that are shit fans. Uh, and Vancouver <laughs> that are shit fans. Calgary that, anyways, they're the worst <laughs> of the worst. And I am so happy that the Winnipeg Jets franchise are shitting on their players as they do, because they're basically giving Mark Shifley a free pass to demand a trade, which I hope he does and gets the fuck out of there. Because he doesn't deserve this shit, even though he's a nut job himself. <laughs> this these fans deserve someone who's gonna want to be there and eat shit just like they do all the time. So I I love the turmoil. I you know who I want them to name captain? Justin Bifoglin. Bring that guy back. Make him the <laughs> captain. He doesn't play a game, and everyone else has to wear an A and eat his shit. <laughs> because the Jets are shit and their fans are shit. Fuck all you guys. You got something to say. Come meet me on the NA30 podcast. I'll eat your ass. Let's go. That's that's a all-time great rant Thank right you. there. Um, I think it's – I it like in all seriousness, the, the, there was rumors about the Jets' room not being so uh, kosher throughout the season. And I wonder if this is just more evidence of that, right? Like um, – and I, but I agree with you. I, like I, I didn't really hate the Jets until they they celebrated like they've. I mean, coming from a guy who is a New York Jets fan, and uh, celebrated like we won the Super Bowl on Sunday. I hated it when they celebrated like they won the Cup after beating the Leafs. I was like, and they're like, "What's better than beating Toronto?" I'm like, I don't know, making the playoffs. Like that's pretty yeah. good too. Or how about back in like 2014? What it was a shortened whatever the shortened season was. Like maybe it was 2009. I can't remember. They had a fuck the Leaf chance. Listen, I don't care if you hate the Leafs. Everyone hates the Leafs. It's fine. But if you're chanting fuck the Leafs, you're what, 18,000 strong, six, whatever that arena can hold, that junior arena can hold, 
I don't care. But keep it classy. Yeah. Be creative. Don't be fuck the Leafs. Fuck the Jets. <laughs> right? But yeah, I don't so know. So I will say that. But isn't Wheeler Wheeler was hurt most last year too, right? Like I don't know how much of an effect. And there, I think there was even some questions as to whether he was. Well, like was he going to play? Like I don't. I don't know. So Wheeler, Wheeler did miss a few games. He played sixty five games last year. Uh, scored sixty points in those sixty five games. So he was still a valuable contributor when he did play. Um, but here's the thing. <laughs> He's still in a contract this year and next year for 8.25. So it's not like you're just getting rid of this guy out of of nowhere. It seems odd, although not unprecedented. If you recall, back in 2009, the San Jose Sharks just stripped Patrick Marlowe of the captaincy out of nowhere. And And then did it to Joe Thornton. And they gave it to Rob Blake. Yeah, but then no, but then they when they gave it to Joe Thornton, they did it again to Joe Thornton. They took the captaincy off him as well. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> right, and they gave it to what's that uh, Logan Couture? It was Pavelski, or was it Pavelski? No, it was Pavelski, and then yeah, it was Couture. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and Dustin but, you know, Brown. These are conversations that they might have had behind the scenes too, right? Like you don't know. Like so, yeah, they stripped it from him, but they could have said, "Hey, we're going to put it on you for two years, and then we're going to put it on somebody else after that." It's funny. It's funny that the new coach there also is Rick Bonus. Who was a real fucking dick in Dallas to that kid? Remember, it was his uh, first big league game. Had all his friends and then benched them last minute, like friends and family. Uh, he's now the coach in Winnipeg. But uh, Darren Dreger tweeted out three days ago. He said this isn't an indictment on Blake Wheeler. Bonus wants other players to share a bigger leadership role. This is about group ownership and not having leadership fall entirely on the shoulders of one player. Which to me says it's actually might be quite clever in a room where there's potentially like issues you put the ownership on more people right so like now more people are accountable and i don't know if that make like it can make things better i don't know you think it makes things worse as you know more people are thinking what they say go i don't know man i also want to clarify i said shifley earlier i meant wheeler fuck both you guys though fuck the jets I would kill sorry, for everybody. I'm adding so much. I'm adding so much. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm adding I was so saying, much. Shifley might end up being the captain of this team, right? Like, he's going to be one of the alternates that's named, I would assume. Well, he's on it, but he's on an expiring contract. Is he not? Shifley? No, he's not. No. Shifley has the same amount of time left on his, uh, his contract that Wheeler does. They're both uh, this year and next year. Shifley's making 6.125. Oh, okay. That, that's a pretty decent contract, by the way. I mean, I will take 6.125 any day of the week. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean I we've had this we've had this conversation where I would have I would in a heartbeat have Mark Shifley here over a certain other player on this team that Dustin Don't 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 let's not go down the road of who you would trade William Nylander for. They're <laughs> not trading William Nylander. William Nylander I mean is be Sir, the hot rumor is time. is Nylander and Sandine for Chickren Plus, so Oh, I wouldn't make that deal. No, stop it. Nylander stop is it. more valuable on this team than in a trade. Thank you. I finally thank you, someone on this yeah. program other listen, than me. <laughs> you know, I, listen, James. I, I get it. I get why they hate for Nylander, but it's not really warranted. It's just like old. It's Toronto media bullshit that for years people call in and talk shit about Nylander. The dude was a stud. No, He's there's a empi- stud. there's empirical evidence as to why, like it's not like that money. We don't have to go down that hole, but there's empirical evidence. Okay. It's not just media. 
anybody who doesn't skate on an icing is out of my books. Oh my god. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to get into it. We're gonna have to get into it another time. Oh, we can get into it another time. We will. Oh, and we will. Maybe next week. I don't know. Maybe next week. There will be plenty of time in the NHL season for us to talk about how much uh, Nylander should or should not be a Toronto Maple Leaf. And I think we'll have a lot of that conversation going forward. It's time now for some wrestling talk, I think. But before we get there, James, I want to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. What do they do? Now Your Treasures is a purveyor of licensed fine arts, fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which includes artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram at Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. Visit the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com, N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. Remember, go to nowyourtreasures on Instagram, send a DM of 43.6 to receive 43% off. We have a lot on the wrestling agenda today. The first one is something that I described yesterday as and look, I love Triple H. And everything he has done since, I'm very in oh. favor of. I feel like we're going to argue here. No, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think we are based on where, where I'm going. But basically, what I'm saying with this press conference that happened a few days ago to advertise the upcoming main event for their Saudi Arabia show, I just get the impression that Triple H is a real big Dana White fan. And he just wants to be Dana White because there's so many of those shots from that press conference where it's Roman Reigns and his opponent in Saudi Arabia, Logan Paul, and he's like in the middle of it and he's got his face right there. Like it looks like a UFC press conference to me, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because for the longest time, I have always been clamoring for professional wrestling that is treated seriously. We don't have to like pretend it's not real or whatever. I'm just saying treat it like it's a sport, like present it like it's a sport. And if we're going to start doing stuff like these press conferences, we're going to allow guys to cut promos without like giving them a script. Did you hear Roman Reigns just ripping on Logan Paul? Like, I didn't know who you were because I'm not a 13 year old girl. Like this writers couldn't write that for Roman Reigns. He is just going out there and being who he thinks his character is. And spoiler alert, That's what professional wrestling was and always has been (laughs) until all these idiot writers came into play and Vince McMahon started empowering them. But now that we are in a world, and it feels so good, guys. It feels so good. We are in a post-Vince McMahon wrestling world where all of a sudden, wrestling can be fun again. It's like Vince walked out the door and all everything that was black and white has turned to color now. <laughs> it's like there's fun again, guys. Dude, we don't have to be embarrassed anymore. It's it's like I said, do you want ironically, you know, going back to the topic we talked about off the hop, it's there are two schools of thought. You can either create this own sub world, right? Which is what Vince did. They were the only thing in that world, right? 
there was nobody else's competition because they're not us. We're so unique, blah, blah, blah. Or do you want to be the best at something? Do you want to be the only thing at something? Or do you want to be the best at something? And I think, I think Hunter wants to be the best at something, not necessarily the only thing of something, right? Um, and I think that's why it's going back there. But what, like, what, do you, what are your guys' thoughts on that as a match? As I mean, Logan Paul has had two professional wrestling matches in his career. I'm interested in your guys' thoughts because I want to know if you guys see this the same way I do. And I have a little bit of fantasy booking coming out of it. Armchair. So I think I, I think knowing you, James, I think we may be on the same level here of this match. I could be wrong, but I want to hear Anthony's thoughts first. Thank you. I, to be honest, I don't, for for this type of event, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'm cool with it because the the crown jewel event for me is it, it's like a it's an outlier. It doesn't really count. It's not like on the the schedule like uh, a WrestleMania. If this was WrestleMania, I'd be like, okay, well, you're not having my money for sure. Because Crown Jewel, I could take it or leave it. Yeah, sure, do it. I do have some some a comment about the the press conference because I did see some of the highlights. I thought it was kind of awkward that he said a guillotine in Saudi Arabia. Like maybe maybe not that one. I do like the idea of having a, all the time with his boxing events against, you know, uh, PW Insider's rank number one ranked wrestler. I think it's I think it's good. I think I think it's good overall. I think at some it'll get maybe some new eyeballs on it, and if it doesn't, it's not that big of a deal because I don't think Crown Jewel is really that big of a deal, anyways. So, sorry. Um, you no, know, that's that's no, that's a good point. Uh, I've always looked at Crown Jewel, and I think it's kind of where you're going with this too. Like I've always, it's like so non-canon. Yeah, exactly. When Vince McMahon talks about his universe, right? I always look at it like a comic book universe, where WWE is uh, like Raw and SmackDown is like their prime universe, and then NXT was an alternate universe. Because guys do something there, and then when they come up to the main roster, they have a new gimmick and a new name. Like it's wrestling, but it's not like the same universe of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Crown Jewel was a similar thing, where it is WWE adjacent. It's it's there, it happens, but it, it happens in a vacuum. It's kind of like a caricature of what WWE is. It's which is it weird because it, a lot it, of, it's a caricature of wrestling. Like WWE at the time was a caricature of wrestling. And then you have these events that yes. were caricatures of WWE. It was yes. very weird. It when they first started doing them, it really was apparent, and I don't know if it's true or not, but this is what the reports were that the shows were essentially booked by the Saudi Arabian government or not necessarily government or like the yeah. like monarchy or whatever. They the asked for is, right? Ultimate Warrior. Right. Like apparently the prince was like, I don't know if it was the prince or not, but like someone in the royal family was like, yo, we want to see Hulk Hogan. We want to see the Ultimate Warrior and, yeah, and Macho and Randy Savage. <laughs> like, uh, well, problem with that, half those guys are dead. So <laughs> we can't do that, but we'll give you The Undertaker and we'll give you like Sean Michaels. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I have absolutely zero problem with this match. I think it's going to be fun. I think Roman Reigns, Logan Paul would be a hell of a match. I think Logan Paul has proven 
in the very short period of time that he's been there, he is better than 50% of that roster. And by better, I mean, and maybe even more than 50%. By being the total package, by being a guy who has a size, he has a look, he has a following, he, ha- he has charisma, he, he can talk. Athleticism. Logan Paul is everything you want as a performer. Literally, every, he checks every single box that they've ever been looking for. Does he not have a lot of experience in the ring? Sure, but who gives a shit? Like, I'm not grading his performance like he's a Russian dancer at the Olympics. I don't care. Like, it's it's a wrestling match. Like, Roman Reigns will carry him through it. Paul Heyman will carry the promos. You know there'll be a whole bunch of Gaga with the Uses out there and uh, the honorary Use, Sami Zayn. Like, it's it's going to be a good match. It's going to be a fun match. And ultimately, if you want... Look, okay, Saudi Arabia is not going to sell tickets. Right, like it's all it's a it's a bot show. Yeah. The, the government or the monarchy or whatever the country of Saudi Arabia has purchased for a lot of money this event. They don't have to sell tickets. They don't have to do anything. They just put on the show. Yeah, and like this is going to give them eyeballs that they wouldn't necessarily get. Anytime Logan Paul is involved, there is going to be a massive amount of people who don't give a shit about wrestling who are all of a sudden interested to see it because it's Logan Paul. And not to mention, Peacock has a deal right now where it's like $1.99 to sign up for Peacock. So even if you weren't a wrestling fan, but you're a Logan Paul fan, or even if you're not a Logan Paul fan, but maybe you're a boxing fan, and you just want to sample this out, there's no reason for you not to. Dude, it's it's akin to like Conor McGregor and... and- Floyd Mayweather, like Conor McGregor is not a boxer, but if you're into into MMA, you wanted to. It was a cool look to into boxing, or if you're into boxing, you figure out what's this guy all about, right? Um, I got like here's two things. Everything you said. Is there a more valuable WWE superstar on the roster right now than Logan Paul? No. Right, like that's the thing. Like when you think about it. Everything you say is true. So, I mean, it's it's incredible that he's 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 basically their top dog, right? And it comes with, like you said, the following: a bunch of people that maybe weren't interested that will take a peek and maybe be sold on the fact that this guy is, you know, again performing at a very high level. And it works because he's not a joke in there. Like it, you're saying, like he's he's only had two matches, but it's very evident and clear he takes it serious enough and he has natural athleticism to pull it off right so like this is not dennis rodman or carl malone trying to do a diamond cutter right like it's it's very different than (laughs) what if hold on what what if this match wasn't logan paul versus roman reigns it was roman reigns versus pat mcafee right would people have an issue with that no but but it also wouldn't be half as interesting it wouldn't be, but like my my point is, like they're both like celebrity wrestlers. It both kind of like... sense. Yeah, but yeah, but but Pat McAfee isn't the same type of celebrity as Logan Paul, right? So here's so here's my little piece of fantasy booking, right? And you can laugh at me all you want. What if Log uh, uh, Roman says, "I'm not putting my titles on the line," and then like Logan eggs him on and he says, you know what? Okay. Because you're half a superstar, I'll put one on the line. 
and Logan wins. And that way you get the title split. You get the prestige and him carrying every, every week on the impulsive podcast, he's sitting there with his title and you get them split so that raw and SmackDown can have their own. And oh. you appease, you appease Fox and the USA network. James, I'm a fan of your book. Sorry. You're, but you okay. cannot David Arquette the title. You can't. But this is, but that's what we're saying. This isn't David Arquette, right? Like this is, Somebody who's infinitely better than David Arquette and is going to be around for a long time. Yeah, so here's the thing. I I like the... And, and I kinda, what about the criticism of him winning the toaster match? Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Yeah, I think we're losing Anthony here. <laughs> it looks like he's frozen. But um, here's the thing. If you... I don't hate the idea of splitting the titles back again. You know what I mean? Like, I think at some point we need to. But how else do you do it? Belts. And that's the that's the biggest problem they're going to deal with right now, is how do you end up getting both belts off Roman Reigns? And what needed to end up happening was that they needed to at some point have him start defending each belt separately. So if there was a if he was on Monday Night Raw, which he's never on. But he was on Monday Night Raw and he showed up. He's like, I'm going to defend the WWE Championship tonight. And then on SmackDown, he's like, I'm going to defend the Universal Championship on SmackDown. And AOE just consistently go through that until at one point he loses the title. And that's how you split it. And that's, I think, the only way that logically makes sense to do it. Um, I guess you could do it your way where he only puts up one. And I don't even hate the idea of that, especially if it's the Universal title. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like... If he drops the blue universal title to Logan Paul, I think it's fine. And I think you're back. It's yeah. I think Anthony's back. <laughs> he looks like he, yeah, perfect. He cut out there for a second, but like, yeah, if, I didn't hear anything. That's all good. So basically what I'm getting at is I don't hate the idea. I, I think there is, um, you know, direction from the networks that they want to have those belts separated again. And then imagine if you're and if you're USA Network or you're Fox and Logan Paul is the one who gets it. Imagine how fucking stoked you're going to be. And he sticks yeah. around. He does Raw for three months. Cool. Drops it to the next guy. Like, like there's money to be made. Like to me, there's there's legit zero wrong with that. With the exception of, actually, you could do it by Sami Zayn fucking up. Sami Zayn fucks yeah. up, and costs Roman a title. Which furthers the okay, tensions so, with the Usos. So, so here's the thing. Let's say they go that direction. And you think we lost Anthony again. Logan Paul. <laughs> yeah, I think we lost Anthony again. Uh, let's say, oh, oh, I'm back, baby. No, he's back. back. Okay. Um, let's say we go that direction. And Logan Paul gets the universal title. Roman Reigns keeps the WWE title. A, a, just over a month from now. We're going to be headed into, which I guess we can uh, start. I don't know if we want to fully switch into this topic yet, but we're coming into uh, Survivor Series, which we now know is going to be War Games. So maybe you end up having Roman Reigns, WWE champion, with the Usas. And I don't know if they'll do five on five, it'll be four on four. But if you do four on four, it's Roman, Jimmy, Jay, and Solo against Logan Paul. And Sami Zayn. And, Kevin Owens. I mean, maybe Kevin Owens. You can throw Kevin in there. And 
that's that is the problem. Like, who's the other guy? Or do Miz? It could and it could or be the Miz. That's perfectly good. You do you do five on five, include Zayn because Zayn fucks up, costs him a title. You have the two champions. Then it's so Zayn. Hold on, Zayn is on Team Roman or he's on Team Logan? Team Roman. And then in War Games, there's a moment between him and Kevin that causes a turn. In that moment. Well, see what I was thinking. Mm, mm, okay. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah I, I you save you. the moment for war games, right? Like that's where you have the Kevin Sammy reunion, right? In that match, and then they challenge the Usos, and they're the ones to take on, take the titles off the Usos down the road, right? Like that's that's how you get out of that mess too, right? And basically, you've just reset the entire universe in the blink of an eye. As he booking, I like it. Who doesn't? I like it. So might as well stay here that we're here with the uh, announcement of war games. And this kind of bleeds into the NXT topic as well, where it, as you're saying, like it feels like triple H is uh, resetting the universe, if you will, where uh, like a cleanse have come over WWE and we're washing away all the Vince McMahon nonsense that we've had to deal with over the past number of years. And obviously one of those things was bringing back all his guys, right? Like, all of a sudden, Hit Row is back, and all of a sudden, uh, Karrion Cross is back, and Braun Strowman's back. Like all Triple H's boys are back, which I'm I'm in favor of. But I feel like War Games was this thing that for so long, WWE fans had been clamoring for it, and for whatever reason, Vince McMahon just like refused to make that a thing, like just did not want War Games as a thing. And I can understand from a business perspective for a couple of reasons if he said you know if we do this match we end up losing x amount of tickets and x amount of floor tickets and those floor tickets to me equate to you know an average now of probably a thousand dollars a ticket and if you're going to lose even a hundred tickets on the floor that's a lot of money to say no thank you to all of a sudden just to you know do this one match that you didn't create. It was a WCW creation. I always used to say when people asked about the difference between AEW and WWE, I would always say that like AEW is the company that gives the fans what they want. And WWE was the company that tells the fans what they want. And now I feel like we're in a world where Triple H actually wants to give the fans what they want. <laughs> and AEW can't seem to figure out how to give the fans what they want which is really odd and it's because they've you know they're in a weird spot but yeah the the war games concept i mean honestly this will be the first time it's on that stage right like since since wcw proper right i mean they did in nxt but like i mean like that stage like yeah, like if we go back to the whole analogy of different universes and NXT is an alternate universe, it has never happened in the WWE universe. I mean, that's big. And I mean, when you think about think about how Survivors, how good Survivor Series used to be back in the day. And by the way, sorry, everyone, we're going to try and get Anthony back. I think no, he's I'm, he, I'm here. Oh, okay. I think just, he just lost his video. It just might sans be, uh, video. His internet connection is dying. Yeah. Over. I can I can put you I can put a picture of you up while I'm talking. Oh, um, awesome! <laughs> what's it called? The uh, when we talk about like the the shows and the different, 
Survivor Series didn't have the same hook in the last few years that it's had in previous years, right? So, like, I feel like this is an incredible way to pay homage to the past and give Survivor Series, like, a wonderful build out of SummerSlam, right? Like, you can build towards, like, and you don't have to do it every year, but I think it's great. And if and if they take the brand warfare piece out of it so you can be a little more flexible and it's not just random Team SmackDown versus Team Raw, I think it's, I think this is an incredible opportunity to, you know, have, have give that give that something yeah you guys might have said this already and i apologize if i missed it but are you guys fans of the war game format i am i i think it works when you have the right mix of people and when you have the right story going into it i think for so long in the vince mcmahon era of wwe and maybe not always the case in the Vince McMahon of recent memory of WWE. They fell into this trap of making their pay-per-views or their PLEs themed around a specific match. You have the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. You have the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. You have, I mean, they've done so many different ones that I can't even remember all of them. But they're themed around a match. Um, when in actuality... Or No Way Out, where they did the Elimination Chamber. In actuality, these matches happen when the story dictates they need to happen. But when you just all of a sudden say, well, I mean, we got Hell in a Cell coming up. Let's throw these guys into Hell in a Cell for no reason. It, it muddies the water. It dilutes what that match is supposed to mean. So if you are in a situation where you have a story that makes sense for a war games i'm all for it but if it's just something like let's take five guys from Raw, five guys from smackdown let's have brand supremacy right i'm not going to care about that and they said specifically they're not going to do that but that's what they need to step away from yeah Yeah. i don't like war games i it sounds weird i'm almost always into a gimmick match but War Games doesn't do anything for me. Like I, I don't really love the concept. I think it's kind of a weird concept. I much rather I don't know. I, I'll take this. I'll take a Survivor Series classic match over a War Games match. Me personally. Now, though, is this because like not trying to to uh, non WCW shame somebody here? Is this like what's your history? <laughs> what's your history with with War Games? Like, did you ever go back and like really? watch a lot of them or like is this so, something that you own sorry um only nxt war games which i understand were like they, i thought they were well done i just didn't love the concept of like you can't you can't have a pinfall until all guys are in there it's like well that kind of so i know for 20 minutes i'm not gonna get a pinfall so here we go yeah that's fair I think, like, but, for me, it's going back and watching things like The Horseman. Yeah, and, I was just going to say, like, The Horseman, to me, like, is synonymous with war games. Yeah. And I don't know about you, James, but when I was a kid, and I think it was 96 or 97, might have been 97, when Kurt Henning turned on The Horseman and joined the NWO in war games, I was heartbroken. <laughs> I was, like, I was sad when that happened. And that's 
that's what I mean. Like you need a story leading into it and where it matters. But yeah, if it's just five guys versus five guys, like whatever, right? But I actually, I kind of agree with that overall concept of. Actually, I don't kind of agree. I wholeheartedly agree that these matches should not be used to sell a pay-per-view. They should be used to culminate a story. And the story yes. should sell the pay-per-view slash premium live event. If I were them, and again, I totally get it, like cutting down, you can't cut down the live events anymore because you, you, you've you tied yourself to a streaming service. Like there's no buys, right? There's no, I don't have to sell this show. It's technically already paid for, um, which is kind of, unfortunate that the streaming model has taken us there um but i i don't know that you should still necessarily run away from the concept of you know certain shows are, are key beats along the way to the story and then certain shows are the culmination of a story right um so yeah i i, I agree with you like it's it's unfortunate that you know money in the bank's not at survivor series that works as a concept too who survives a six-man ladder match right like you could maybe it's for a different title. Like you can, it's unfortunate that everything's uh, like, didn't they do the money in the bank tag match one year? I think they did. Yes. Did they? <laughs> right. Or no, I don't know if it was money in the bank. They definitely did elimination chamber tag. That maybe that's what I got confused tag. with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like, I feel like there's opportunity, like you said, to, to use it towards certain things when you take, um, the tie to the actual show. Like the fact that they're named money in the bank and hell in the cell is actually fucking embarrassing. Should we put sideways Paul back on or sideways Anthony? Paul Sorry. I, I did it bad. <laughs> I said, Paul. Oh, he's back. There we there. go. Like Anthony's back. Okay. So here's something else that I was always considering was going to be a possibility. And maybe war games isn't the right place for it. I think at survivor series, if there's a men's war games match and there's a women's war game match, it doesn't necessarily have to be Roman Reigns and you know the Usos in that match. I think you can still have traditional Survivor Series matches at Survivor Series. Wouldn't it be cool if we have Roman Reigns and we have Jimmy and Jay and Solo, but it's not Sami Zayn, and they keep telling Sami, "No, don't worry about it. Like we got someone, we got a real Us." joining us in this match and it's the rock because at some point like we're, I thought we're you were all gonna say rikishi i mean rikishi could do it <laughs> It could too. be that too yeah it could be rikishi as well but at some point like we're assuming it's going to be roman reigns versus the rock at wrestlemania but like how do we get there right like what is the thing that makes us say oh there's a problem here with roman and rock like at some point they're gonna have to cross paths and we're gonna have to set up this match at wrestlemania I think now, they've it dropped could hints. Be a simple... I think Roman's dropped hints. I mean, yeah, but it's not like it's not significant enough for someone to want to fight their cousin for the world title, right? I mean, the easiest path there is the Rumble, right? And have The Rock win the Royal Rumble? Sure, why not? Yeah, surprise entry. I'm I'm on for that. The place would go crazy, dude. He's number twenty six. Works twenty it minutes, would, but. But here's the thing, like I, I I get the pop would be insane if the rock like And then he wins out. and then Roman's on the stage? Dude. But, but which is the same as so which is dude, which is the reverse of what happened when Roman won and then the rock came out on the stage. Remember that? So and you could play that video package, that would be fire. Okay, there's, or lit. there's I don't know what the kids are saying these days. 
there's legs to that idea, and I don't disagree. But I think it would be irresponsible to use The Rock in a surprise role. I think he needs to be advertised. So I think they need to... And it, it depends on like The Rock's schedule and what his dates are and what he's available for and whatever. I think in a perfect world, at WrestleMania, so if we're forward booking, which is something I know WWE hasn't done in previous years, but we're forward booking and we're saying... We want to end up with Roman Reigns versus The Rock at WrestleMania. I personally don't think you need the world title involved in that. I think that can just be Roman Reigns versus The Rock. So now we have to get the belt off Roman Reigns. So maybe it's Logan Paul. I mean, maybe it would have made a whole lot more sense if it was Drew McIntyre when he won in Wales. <laughs> like, that would have made more sense. But who cares? Whatever. I think you can still get the belt off Roman Reigns. I think at some point, it needs to be on Seth Rollins. You can have Seth and Riddle feuding for the title. Maybe that's where, like, I honestly I think the Logan Paul thing is actually not a bad idea. If Logan Paul wins the title, Seth, Seth Rollins takes the Seth title Logan? Logan Paul. I, I, I was, a match with Seth Rollins and Logan Paul would be incredible. Dude, Okay, Seth Logan, special guest referee, Seth Rogan. Special guest commentary, Joe Rogan. <laughs> that's, I'm in. Writes itself. Yep, that writes itself. No, what I'm getting at here is I don't think you need the world title on the on Roman Reigns to face The Rock. We need to create an issue with those two guys. It can stem from their Survivor Series match where they bring in Rock to be their like their ace in the like their ace in the hole against Logan Paul and his crew because Logan Paul is going to bring in Tyson Fury and Logan Paul is going to bring in like the celebrity crew. It's going to be Logan Paul. It's going to be Tyson Fury. It's going to be Pat McAfee. Like. Whoever else, Shaquille O'Neal, Snooki, like all the <laughs> best WWE alumni celebrities will all be in there. Snoop Dogg, Bad will be Bunny, in there. Pete Rose, Bad Bunny, dude. There's there's legs Bad here. Bunny. Okay. Bad Bunny does a Canadian destroyer. Let's go off the top then, of the War Games. Game. For whatever reason, there's some sort of friction between The Rock and Roman in that match, and then uh, Roman starts to question: Are you an ooze? Are you a celebrity? Now, which one are you now? And now there's the friction gets started there. We wait, you know, a few months later for that to percolate a bit more. Now Roman Reigns is without the title. He's trying to get it back. So Roman Reigns is in the Rumble. And then maybe you get The Rock in the Rumble as well. They both eliminate each other. Now we're set up for WrestleMania. Leaving the door open for one Cody Rhodes to win the Royal Rumble. He goes on to face Seth Rollins at WrestleMania for the world title. That's where he gets his redemption. So here's the thing. That's where he gets the world title. If they split the titles, you can still do The Rock and you Roman. Can do both. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, that's why they need to get the titles off too. Because I mean, there's there's a, a world where you can accomplish many more things. And as much as having two titles sucks, especially as it's elevated the other two titles, right? Like the Intercontinental Championship and the U.S. title have never looked better than in the last two months since Vince. Uh, Vince went vominos. Retired. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Forced retirement. Uh, At seventy-seven, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be working. No. Vince, you done it. Just take a yeah. take a dip. But uh, he, uh, those titles, like they they benefit from not having Roman on the show, right? Like Bob, the U.S. title on Bobby Lashley has looked, and those matches have been good. Yeah. So they. it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but the the war games thing. I mean, again, it opens up. I I know Anthony doesn't doesn't like it, 
maybe you'll give this one a shot. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll bring you in. Uh, but I agree with you, actually. Now that I think about it, the, the pinfall before uh, the last kind of weird because it'd be cool if you automatically were going to go in like up three on one. Like that would be kind of neat um, because you've eliminated two people or whatever. Like that would be kind of a cool concept. But speaking on that, actually, you know what else bugs me? Why did they add pinfalls and submissions to cage matches? I hate that. Um, no. So pinfall and submission. Okay. So <laughs> history lesson for you, James. <laughs> uh, the escape. The Sorry. Cage add, it, add it back. Add it back. Sorry. Because in the, in the 90s, new generation era with the blue cage, pinfall and submission uh-huh. wasn't there. Yes, because that's Vince McMahon's ridiculous vision of professional wrestling. No, but I like that because then it makes it like... No, no. So, okay, the intent of a cage match is these guys have a blood feud and they hate each other. But, you know, the the heel keeps like getting out of it and he's running away or whatever. And we're like, nope, no more bullshit. No more outside interference. We're locking you in a cage and there's going to be a winner. There isn't escape from the cage. It's going to be a bloody war and... The, the heel is going to get his ass beat and he's going to be pinned in the middle of the ring. I kind of like the escape gimmick because you can do a lumberjack for the other thing. <laughs> I'll take what? a cage over a lumberjack match. Just Thank for you. Like, <laughs> no one wants a lumberjack match. Right, but I'm saying a lumberjack match solves your, your running away issue. The cage has a unique concept of escaping. And the door? That's not the, a the, the deserted concept. island at the door is the best. Why would you run away from the fight? You know, to win, like if to win, that's what heels do, though. No, yeah. but like to win the match, you have to run away from the. No, fight you're surviving to escape the. You're cage. surviving. Do you run no, away from a lion? Away from the fight without. If finishing. you run away from a lion, are you a winner? Why am I fighting a lion? <laughs> Good question, Dustin. You're just trying to survive. Rain versus a lion, WrestleMania. <laughs> Let's go. You're just trying okay, to survive. Why not have this? What, like, have a cage match where you, the goal is to escape. Hell in the Cell is now your cage match. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What? Hell in the Cell is just a cage match. But it's got a roof, so you can't escape. It's got a roof, so you can't escape. Exactly. It's different. Yeah. If they didn't want you to escape, why is there no roof on the cage? Huh? And a door that opens. Huh? Because you're not the blue cage. So here's a question for you. In the UFC... How many fights are won by a guy jumping over the cage and walking out of the octagon? Here's a question. How many of them are scripted? <laughs> that's my question. Just the Connor fights. That's it. Yeah. The point is, if UFC needs to be the gold standard now. So for so long, professional wrestling didn't have like a comparable. It was like, it was like, what would happen if these two guys fought? Now we know what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like MMA. But now we can do what we do it in a more entertaining way, in a scripted way. Yeah. Now that MMA does point. it, like we, there's so many things that wrestling used to do that don't make sense because now UFC is doing it the way it's supposed to be done. There's literally guys who interfere in matches. How many times in UFC does a guy run down and just like, like it's game over puts a guy in a submission and then leaves and then the other guy taps the guy out and the ref's like not nah, new champ. Can you imagine if like Herb Dean was officiating a UFC? <laughs> he just gets hit in the eye. He's like, <laughs> he gets hit in the eye. He takes a ref bump, and then no other referee comes out. No, none of the judges ringside go to help the referee. Just no Joe Rogan's says, like, hold on a second. Herb Time Dean out. is down. 
Yeah, but out comes. Let the action continue. Out comes fucking Adesanya. A cage match. It, is it not the the reason to escape that one spot where one the heel is getting away? He's climbing over, and then the the babyface grabs his foot. Then they both get the side of the cage. It's just for that one spot, is it not? But you can still do that spot if the heel is running away from the babyface, not trying to win the match. But the whole reason they're in that match is because the heel kept running away from the babyface. So they put him in a cage. So when the match starts, he's still trying to get away. So you're saying the, the cage is ineffective. Back in. You see what you're saying is the cage is relatively ineffective. Whether it's effective or not is not the point. My point is if you Why would you do something that's ineffective? If, but that's not fighting. <laughs> if you were in okay, if you are a babyface. Yes. And you want to beat the shit out of this guy. Why would you then decide to escape the cage? Because you beat the fuck out of him so bad that you can leave now. Why don't you just pin him then? <laughs> because pinning's not an option. You take it out. Yes, it is. You need to escape the cage to show you're the winner. Yes. To show you're the winner, you I want think to you stand need to embrace t- Hell in the Cell a little bit more. I agree. I'm with well, Anthony. You know what? It's it's not time for Hell in a Cell. We can't have Hell in a Cell unless it's at the Hell in a it's Cell true. premium live event. Okay? <laughs> Do you know what other premium live events? I'm going to segue this for you. Do you know what other premium live events are coming back? NXT TakeOver? There we go. Hey. One of, hey. The, casual, one of the casualties of NXT 2.0 was the NXT TakeOver brand. And I, 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 I'm sure, Anthony, you're with me on this one. But NXT takeovers were like the best thing in wrestling for a long time, right? Amazing. Super hot. James and I actually sat beside each other at one with Brett Banks uh, accidentally because of mutual friends and the guys from the law, which is kind of fun. But yeah, NXT takeovers, so fun. Hands down, the, the card of the month, whatever month they would have been in. Always looking to steal the show. Always hot shows. Yeah, can't go wrong with it takeover bring him back baby let's go yeah i appreciate the fact that triple h when nxt i don't know if it was triple h's idea but when nxt 2.0 started they said no we're not we're not tarnishing the name of takeover we will never do an nxt 2.0 takeover like now that nxt 2.0 is a thing takeovers are dead but we did see on last week's edition of nxt right at the end of the show it it showed the nxt 2.0 logo and then all of a sudden the 2.0 disappeared and that like paintball splatter of paint of the NXT logo went away and it just showed NXT in gold and white letters and the internet went crazy. It was like, oh my God, we're getting our NXT back. I don't know to what extent yet. I'm not sure what this, I don't even know what to call it. We'll just say this new version of NXT. I don't know what to expect from it. But if it's anything close to what we're hoping, I think NXT might be a watchable show again. But I I think you're looking at it with a little bit of rose-colored lenses, right? Because NXT, the NXT we know and love versus the NXT post-AEW was a little bit of a different NXT at that point, too. So are we getting NXT... Post AEW, or are we getting NXT? You know the glory years. I don't whatever you want to call them. 
Well, I mean, it it sounds a lot like our conversation that we had about Smash Wrestling at the top of the show, where <laughs> a lot has changed, and the roster is different now. And you can come back with the same logo, but is it still going to be the same thing? It's well, not. It can't. By the looks of it, um, having the white and the gold looks like it's going to be some sort of hybrid. I imagine it's just going to be some of the people obviously from the current NXT, but like elevated to the style and the old way of NXT. And I think it's cool because it gives the whole idea is that you with WWE, you got, there was something for everybody, right? If you were into work rate and stuff, then NXT was for you, right? The takeovers were just as like sold just as many tickets at sometimes as, as the other events, right? So like the proof of concept was there. The ratings they were they were competing with, if not beating always, AEW. So again, you know, the proof of concept was there too. Um uh, they never beat AEW. Oh. They were I would say at best they were maybe a couple hundred thousand off of AEW. I would have to pull up Brandon Thurston's numbers, but I think Anthony's right. I don't think they ever surpassed Dynamite. I okay. think you're right, though, in the, what, what you're saying, though. Like, I think it will be a hybrid, too, but it's probably more the original concept of NXT and not the super indie that NXT became. Yeah, I think I, I say, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll ever go as far as signing every indie star in existence to developmental contracts, but I don't think it's going to be ridiculously gimmick-heavy. Like, I don't think it's going to be... I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to see like Duke the Dumpster Drosties every week or, you know. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of a lot more freedom for these guys to figure it out. And what a great place to figure it out, right? Like big crowds, hot action. It's sink or swim. Like the competition was so hot in, in the black and gold NXT, like triple A. Like it was sink or swim for a lot of dudes. Like if you didn't make it, like it was like you couldn't hack it. And that was Do you think good. Braun Breaker gets a name change? Oh man, it's that's a great. I, even that's a great question. It feels weird. Yeah, I know that's a great question, and I hope so. He was he was but Rex Steiner, right? Rex Steiner is so much better than a hundred percent. He was okay. Yeah, he he was Rex Steiner, and I mean his shoot name is Bronson Rex Steiner. So <laughs> take your pick, man. So th- that's where the Braun, I guess, comes from. And I guess Rex Steiner has never been used in professional wrestling. So, yeah, I mean, if he, it would make perfect sense to be take the best of both worlds and just call him Braun Steiner and you're done, right? Yeah, or, I mean, give him the nickname The Breaker. Yeah, I'm on board for that. But here's the thing, like if you if it's a hybrid between kind of two eras a little bit, right? Can you envision Braun Breaker working Adam Cole. It would be a Styles Clash, that's for sure. It'd be weird, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm wondering how like this all pans out and works out because I imagine some guys are going to get reached out to to be brought back. Yeah, like I imagine I a guy a like like uh, Jonah Rock. I imagine he's a guy that we get reached out to. Um. I can't think of what other Probably guys. Probably not Adam Cole, though. Uh, 
I mean, well, I, I don't know what Adam's cool contract situation is with AEW. He right. might be there long term. Yeah, I don't. But, I don't yeah, know. No, it's a it's a good point of like what that roster would look like, right? Um, it's it's going to be different. You know, there was there's this uh, young kid who's been training to wrestle recently, and he helps out like every wrestling show I go to. Really good kid. His name's Logan. Um, and one thing I said to him I was like, dude, everything. Everything in wrestling is temporary. And that's, I think, the perfect way to look at this NXT situation where, man, we look back and we say some of those cars on TakeOver were insane. And you had Mauro Ranello on commentary. And Nigel McGuinness was on commentary. And the crowds were so hot. And just you had Ultimo, matches you had you Ultimo had. Dragon working Tyler... No, it was... No, it was uh, no, it was um, Jush Thunder Liger. Thunder Liger working. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. You had yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura having his first match was against Sami Zayn, right? Like yeah. think and of all the matches, like the the tag matches with DIY and uh, FTR. It was just incredible match after incredible match. They didn't have a bad dude. Take. The the Andrade Gargano series. Some of the best. Oh yeah, where you couldn't, you, where Gargano couldn't get the big win. Yeah. Or Gargano Champ Champa. Gargano Champa. Um, how could we, uh, we forget about? You know what? As say what you will about him as a person, and maybe that's someone we should have put on the list of things to talk about this week. But man, Velveteen Dream was over like Rover. Yeah. And oh my god, what happened? I didn't miss the whole thing. I just saw, I just saw that picture of him looking like a fucking meth head. Well, it's pretty I think much that's a fair description yeah. of what the stories were. Supposedly, there was like I don't want to go too far into it because a lot of like murky details. But he was accused of uh, filming people at a party in the bathroom, and uh, supposedly this happened in the locker room too, where he would just try to take pictures of dudes uh, naked and stuff. So, okay. among other things, and I think there was some uh, drug abuse as well. I, I don't have that confirmed because I wasn't there when he was shooting drugs, but. Uh, there's belief that there was drug abuse as well. So a lot going on. I hope Patrick Clark gets his shit sorted out because he was really good at one point. But I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of issues there that I don't know if we can fix immediately. He could have uh, had the opportunity to be one of the best of all time. Yeah. But he's not. But we do have a list of our best of all time. It is time for top fives. And since we loaded up the schedule today of wrestling topics, since there wasn't a whole lot of major sports stories this week, we thought it was appropriate to do a wrestling-themed top five. So here's a couple ground rules. And by ground rules, I just mean, like, directives. This is not necessarily what we think is the greatest wrestler of all time, because that answer is obviously Ric Flair. But we're talking about who is our favorite of all time. So that's a different list. It's not necessarily someone who has the most championships or someone who had the best run or whatever. It's someone who we personally enjoyed more than anyone else. So that being said, uh, Anthony, we're going to start with you. Well, Dustin, I got to say, you're a true gentleman. I love that segue. And thank you for always putting your guests first. I appreciate it. Uh, this was an incredibly hard list to put together because... Uh, I'm currently in, in the Billy Shears podcast studio right now, and I've got a picture of one of my faves that he actually brings to number three. I'll get to him in a second. 
But number five on my list is the great one, The Rock. Wildly entertaining, hard to play some, but in-ring wasn't my favorite, but on the mic, of course, the best of all time. And no one could sell a match, a promo, or merchandise like The Rock. I can't deny that one. Uh, What's crazy about The Rock is everyone, even like not necessarily your personal favorite, which obviously in this case is your number five, but when people talk about the Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time, I don't necessarily believe he should be up there, but a lot of people would say he's in that top four greatest of all time. But in actuality, you think about it, like he debuted in Survivor Series 1996. And then what, just after WrestleMania, like by... 2003 he was gone so like he had late seven year career but he will always synonymously be known as like one of the greatest of all time which is crazy to do in such a small window right dude synonymous as the great one the great one right right what do you guys have who's next james number five Uh, so again knowing that it's favorite and not greatest uh number five for me is a little off the beaten path, but I I grew up kind of going back and, and watching tapes of ECW and then doing the ECW on TNN gimmick, um, which was, I think, either right after or led into Roller Jam. I think they led into Roller Jam. So um, ECW led into Roller Jam, yes. California Quake, represent. Um, so the uh, for me, my number five is Raven. Um, the amount... Wow. I was actually considering putting Raven on my list. I loved Raven. Wow. The the amount of cool moments that surrounded Raven across two companies, Um, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, the chair shots with Tommy Dreamer, whether you're talking about the the whole crucifixion angle with Sandman to, I even distinctly remember when he came back from being signed on ECW TNN, I think it was the Hammerstein Ballroom, won the tag titles with Tommy Dreamer, and he just shoves the tag title with Dreamer and then leaves. That was so fucking cool. Dreamer. And Dreamer's like, what just happened? Oh, right. What was, a great moment that was. Right? It was so fucking cool. And then even in WCW when he was on um, like uh, like TRL. when Was it TRL? He was on like Total Request Live. with. He was doing an interview on MTV, I think, with DDP. And he's doing a video interview. And he just shows up and hits him with the US title. Like, that was so fucking cool. And then I think he put him through a glass table. Um, like in that whole... Which they basically just rep. They just made DDP Tommy Dreamer. Like they basically just replicated like the two guys. Like there wasn't the wow. backstory. Like they, they were just best blew friends. My mind. They just they just redid <laughs> that story. Um, <laughs> you didn't realize that? No, that's a great point. Yeah, there's so much like about the childhood WCW friends thing. Just, like wasn't that the yeah. the thing between him and DDP? There, there's so much about WCW that Eric Bischoff did. That he just completely ripped off ECW, dude, and that's a great point. I didn't even think of that, dude. And but even with like the Sandman thing, when Sandman's kid does the pose, like fuck, that was so good. Like all of it was good, and the fact that he didn't, the guy didn't do anything. <laughs> like he just, he was <laughs> no. hell of a DDT, um, decent. You know, like not like he was a decent worker, but I think most of it was in the character work. And it was how, I mean, like fucking, but then you look at him as Johnny Polo and he's some wild man, which shows you his range, right? Like he's, he was never like, he wasn't Raven because he was lazy. He was Raven because that's what Raven had to be, um, which I think is clutch. So yeah, number five. Raven. Good pull. Good pull, by the way. Thank you. 
All right, my number five is actually an active wrestler, and he is pretty much the only active wrestler on my list. I think at one point, he was probably the most inspirational wrestler for anyone within the business, where they saw him and they're like, if he can do it, everyone else can. Like, he's going to lead the way for all of us. This is a guy, when he goes out there, everyone wants to hear what he has to say. He's a loudmouth. He's an asshole. Zach that <laughs> But at the same time, you know he's right. And when he calls someone an empty-headed dumb fuck, you know in your heart that he is telling the truth. And this, of course, is CM Punk. Well, you took my number four, so we don't have to, to go music. to my... You don't have to yeah, go to my number that. four. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have to do James' number four. Is he on your list too, uh, Anthony? He is not. He actually got nudged because of recent, recently biased, recency bias. Uh, but I, lo- I love the pool and I love CM Punk. And if this was maybe a top 10, he'd be on my list. I think it's weird because like, and not to t- steal your thunder here, Dustin, because I'd love to hear what, why for you. But for me, it was always like, they used to say like Austin did what everybody wishes they could do and like fucking stun your boss, drink beer, whatever. Right. And that was the whole stone cold Steve Austin kind of lure. Beat your wife. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Hey, at least three times. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny how we find things funny back in the day that we don't find now. Like there was that Steve Austin song on YouTube where it was like the beat Deborah song. And I I remember people being like, how funny that. And it's like, that's not funny now. Like it's not at all. Um, to be fair, we were probably like teenagers or something when we yeah, thought it was funny. Real so. stupid old humor. Yeah. Um, but um, that being said, I think the cool thing with CM Punk is he does the real version of that, right? Like he says things that probably a lot of people think or in similar situations have similar thoughts, but don't get to say them. And he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to say it because I don't give a shit, right? Like, that's always kind of been part of the allure for me is like, man, it'd be nice to walk in and tell someone like at my job, look, you're an empty headed fuck. You know, uh, I think about that, you know, quite, quite honestly, uh, I shouldn't say that. I wonder if people at work listen to this. No, probably not. But Dustin, what did, what about CM Punk? Like, and I remember watching him in TNA, um, which is probably blasphemy considering his ring of honor career. But like, and even being, again, Raven, um, being drawn in by by his, like, different attire, like, his blonde hair, like, long basketball shorts. Like, what was it for you, man? The first time I had saw CM Punk, actually, I didn't even think about this now, until he said it, was a really shitty, like, tiny, like, one-inch by two-inch little video that I downloaded on my windows 98 computer of cm punk versus raven in like a doll collar match or something for ring of honor and i probably got on like some wrestling message board when i was a teenager and i wouldn't say i was a fan immediately since then but that was my introduction to cm punk and as i started following his career he just always felt real whether he was or he isn't like i mean he could be working us right now This, this guy could be like a drunk that likes uh, country music or something. I don't know. But he always at least appeared to be real. 
and everything that he would say and do, he meant it. And it's really hard to find that in professional wrestling. Everyone is, you know, a garbage man or a, a dentist. Or, so it's, there's not a lot of guys who are real and like can make you believe that they believe what they're saying. And it doesn't hurt that he typically, he's one of the only guys in wrestling today, with the exception of like FTR. And there's probably other guys that I'm not thinking of. MGF is probably one of them too, where they will have a wrestling match that makes sense. Like they will intentionally slow down and tell you a story instead of doing a uh, very long, drawn-out choreographed dance. And I understand there are people who are fans of the dancing thing, like whatever. And there's, you know, there's different types of wrestling out there. And as Triple H said, like there's different flavors of ice cream. Some people like vanilla, some people like chocolate. I like the realistic, hard-hitting professional wrestling. And CM Punk is one of the few guys that still does that. And his promos are incredible. You believe what he has to say. And I think it's because he honestly means it. Uh, great points, Dustin. I, I just wanted to say that I really liked your point of view on that. I like, I like Punk for all those reasons as well. Although I never really thought his in-ring was all that great, to be honest. I always thought his in-ring was probably a step and a half behind. No, I, I think that's a valid criticism. Like, I don't, I'll never confuse CM Punk with Kurt Angle, right? Like, he's, he's not that guy. Oh my but God, I Kurt think, Angle, another guy I forgot the list. <laughs> but I think, like, if in terms of storytelling and what he does, I think he's unparalleled, at least in terms of current professional wrestling. He's not on the level of certain guys who may be further on my list, but he's in a class of his own right now. All right, so that now leads us to Anthony, number four on your list. All right, number four. Now, I'm a. He made my list because. I've, over the last three years, become a large, a big fan of his. Uh, I, did, I didn't know much about him. I always heard his name in the dirt sheets, um, but I never really cared to check out a ton of New Japan stuff. Um, from Winnipeg, by way of Greensboro, North Carolina. I, don't know, I can't do it. That's your that's your gimmick anyways, Dustin. No, it's not. That is <laughs> Justin Roberts. I will never do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, Kenny Omega is my number four. I'm a newer fan to Omega. I really love that belt collector gimmick that he did uh, last year. Uh, his in-ring is just unbeatable, man. Uh, physique, the look. I don't, love, I don't love him on the mic, but I do like him on the mic. I think Kenny Omega might be one of uh, the very few complete professional wrestlers. I have criticisms to Kenny Omega that I think it's more rooted in I see so much more in him. Like, I think this guy could be the best ever. Like, like you're saying, he has it all. He could be the most incredible professional wrestler we've ever seen in our lives. But I think there's a little too much goofiness to him that holds him back from that. Now, I'm not saying he's bad in any way. Like He's still arguably top 10, top five maybe of current professional wrestlers. Every time he has a match, it's going to be an awesome match. Like I can't deny that. As much, I just see like I'm almost disappointed because like I expect so much more of him. Probably un, um, unfairly so. But I, I think he has another level that we haven't seen yet. I think you're right, but I think that's all part of the game. I think he's holding things back to give you guys something else later. 
anyways, Kenny O, let's go. Yep. Uh, James, I guess uh, we can skip over your number four. Yeah, so we'll go to your number four. No, I'll you, wait till, mm, no, I'll mm. wait till the next round. Okay. My number four is definitely my favorite wrestler when I was a kid. That's undeniable. Um, which is probably surprising when I say this, who my favorite wrestler was growing up. But I think it all de- kind of comes down to like what age I was when I was growing up. And it, it makes sense. But in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it back when he was on top, probably one of the worst drawing <laughs> professional wrestlers of all time uh, in terms of like how much money was drawn off the pay-per-views that he headlined and what the television ratings were like when he was world champion. And uh, he was a bit of an asshole. And he kind of fizzled out at one point and had some questionable things that he had done. But subsequently, he could, had another run later in his career and kind of redeemed himself to be one of the greatest performers of all time. Now, again, when we go back to that Mount Rushmore, I think a lot of people put this guy on the Mount Rushmore. And the reason why he's on this list is because young growing up Dustin loved this guy and this was his guy. So that's why he's on this list. And that's why he's only at number four, because as I've grown up, I've liked other dudes, but Shawn Michaels is my number four where growing up, I mean, I was born in 1987. I would have been like nine years old when Shawn Michaels was WWF champion. So I was the perfect age group for that character. And I was all Shawn Michaels in 1996 and then when he turned heel, I kind of fell off with that. But I was 10 years old. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? But Sean was, and again, similar to Omega. And in 1996, Sean was inside the ring the best. But man, he could have been so much better if he just kept his shit together. And I think a lot of things got to him. I think the pressure of WCW breathing down his neck got to him. I think... Uh, his buddies leaving and going to WCW and making so much more money than him and doing so much better than him and working less than him, I think that weighed on him. I think he had, you know, obviously well-documented his drug issues that probably compounded the issue of the anxiety and the stress and everything that he was going through that he just eventually broke. And uh, also, not to mention, the fans turned their back on him too. Like, if you go back and watch Survivor Series 96 of him versus Sid in the garden, those people wanted fucking, like, Sean dead. Like, they wanted his head on a spike. And and he's looking at Sid. He's like, this guy? You want Sid mm-hmm. instead of me? Like, like, it's one thing if you're, like, chanting for Brett or something. You're chanting for Sid? <laughs> so I understand. I- but uh, anyways, Sean eventually came back and had a, a, a great run. In uh, what was it 2001 when he came? Yeah, the soccer mom haircut. when he came back. The soccer yes, mom. Uh, SummerSlam 2002 against Hunter when he came back and went on to have an incredible run. Had that match with Ric Flair at WrestleMania 24 and the match with Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21. I want to say it was the match with John Cena at WrestleMania 23. The, all the Undertaker matches at 25 the, and 26. The triple threat. Like, the triple threat uh, versus Triple H and the man who is not to be named at WrestleMania 20. Like he's just. It was one banger after another, and that's where he eventually became like Mr. WrestleMania because he just at Jericho at 19, like he consistently had incredible matches one after the other. And I think even though uh, he's 
know, he did what he did in 1996 and 1997 and 1998, but um, I, I still think he belongs on my top five. I think it's a great pick. And uh, so very quickly, did you guys ever hear uh, Enzo talk about how he idolized Shawn Michaels? And he tells a story about as a kid, he drew this picture of Shawn Michaels, and he wrote on the pant of Shawn Michaels, sexy boy. And he hands it in, and the teacher's looking at this picture of this guy, and it has, like, sexy boy on his pants. And he, and he tells the story how the teacher then called his parents and, like, I think you need to have a talk with your son. He's drawing these pictures of boys, and, he's, and it has a sexy boy all over it. Anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's, That's fantastic. Funny. There's so many stupid things like that in professional wrestling that, like, if a non-wrestling fan were to see it, they'd think you're insane. Like, what? why does yeah, this oh, guy yeah. have a, a shirt that says Bullet Club? What does that mean? Is he going to, like, try to shoot me or something like, right all right anthony you are up for your number three all right uh, number three i'm sorry do we skip james no i'm gonna i'm gonna come in this round we okay. skipped james right. number four because his number four was cm punk it's also punk right okay all right so my number three uh going back very similar to what you were saying about like childhood favorite and did some things crazy. Anyways, not the same person. Uh, the madness himself, Mr. Macho Man Randy Savage. I I loved Macho Man as a kid. I just loved how crazy he was. I loved Miss Elizabeth. The whole, the emotion that, that came from uh, the wedding and the snake, Jake the snake, snake biting him in the arm and all that shit. It was so crazy. It was like, it sums up WWF in the 80s. I loved Macho Man, and even his later stuff in WCW was still kind of crazy. Uh, obviously, he had blown up with the, the steroids at that point and was just like j- a joke of what he was in the 80s. I just I love Macho Man. I thought he was so much cooler than Hulk Hogan, even though Hulk Hogan was super cool. Um, just the fact that Macho Man would fly around the ring at a time where that wasn't really in WWF. Like I, I know you, you guys have like incredible wrestling memory i i have good wrestling memory but you guys have incredible wrestling memory i couldn't name you like matches after matches at at shows after shows but i remember seeing macho move so much quicker than some of the other guys in the ring back in the day and thinking that was so cool i love the macho man gimmick uh the fact that you know like yeah he comes from a legacy of wrestlers i just i was a fan and i thought his glasses were like you know, legacy type glasses. Everyone knows those glasses from Macho. So it's funny yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the way like just slim Jim. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the way he moves and like stuff. Like go back and watch old. Well, I guess all Savage matches are old for the most part. Go back and watch like eighties, early nineties Savage matches. Watch him hit the ropes. Like he hit the ropes different than a lot of the people totally. on that roster. Like he was low. He was leaning back. Like he hit them with with force um and it was he was just cut different man he was just i don't know there was a guy that just like if you talk about someone who had it like he was just one of the guys who had it you know totally played played uh played minor league baseball got drafted by the cardinals i think it was yeah he was that's a good point he's not only a wrestling guy he's a baseball guy too so he's he's right in your wheelhouse totally Right. Yeah, I love Macho Man. Oh, sorry. I love yeah, I love Macho Man, and I I almost have him on my list too. 
it was hard not to put him on here, but I end up didn't put him on. But what can you say about his matches against Steamboat and even his match against Hogan was both his match against Hogan in WrestleMania four and five or, or not five and mm, it's only the one match against Hogan. Yeah, it's only the one match against Hogan. The whole Mega Powers storyline was so good for that time. Yeah, Miss Elizabeth, yeah. the jealousy thing, and oh my god, so good. It's great stuff. All right, James, you're number three. All right, you guys are going to make fun of me for this one. And Dustin's always like, why do you pick these obscure things? And it's, I don't uh, think it's it that obscure. Be, it can't be any crazier than Raven. No, it's probably or crazier Cannon. than Raven. But it's from the same, it's from the same era. Um, uh, my number I three is uh, Steve Carino. I was a massive Steve Carino fan. Um, again, going back to remembering moments and stuff like that, like the whole Dusty Rhodes thing was so fucking cool. Um, basically you get, you get this guy, this brash young, like dude, he had take take on the, uh, like American dream in this like bloody fucking warfare. Um, and the Krenos thing was basically like, he was old school, right? Like he didn't want to do the hardcore shit and whatever, but always somehow ended up drawn into it anyway. Like that was kind of like, and he, he would still succeed. And I remember, you know, his, his little stable with Don Marie, Jack Victory and and I think it was Judge Jeff Jones at the time. Um they were fucking hilarious, man. And I'll I'll never I'll never ever forget watching him win the ECW title um in double jeopardy and I always wanted to replicate that match in Smash and I was never allowed to get that over, but I always thought double jeopardy was the coolest fucking concept and it's how how he won. Um I believe the match was him, Jerry Lynn, Sandman and I forget the fourth guy. I forget who the fourth guy was, but do you know do you know the concept of double jeopardy? I actually don't. You might as well explain it. So double jeopardy is two matches that happen in the ring at the same time, with the winners advancing to face each other. So it's not a fatal four way. It's two separate matches occurring at the same time. So the cool thing is, you could if you're one, you can get involved. You don't have to. You can sit and wait. You can pick on the guy you don't want to advance. Like there's so many different things you could do with it. Um, from that standpoint uh and he won the ecw title there and then he went on to have like a pretty successful like indie career um and now he's a teacher at the the performance center um canadian as well isn't he wait i thought steve crino died no sir (laughs) very much was he one of the body donnas no that's um (laughs) the body donnas was uh (laughs) You're thinking, You're thinking of, of Chris Candido. <laughs> which is Chris that's, Candido. That's what I'm thinking of for sure. Yeah, but yeah, Chris Candido. No, Chris if you get a chance, if you get a chance, man, go go back and watch some Steve Carino matches, especially he's from Winnipeg. Your favorite spot. Um go back and watch some Steve Carino matches from ECW. Like those again, it's that TNN era. Maybe I have a soft spot for that era because it was so fucking wild. Um it was, cool. it was just he was kind of the underdog. You know, he had like just white trunks. He taped his wrists like CM Punk, maybe I think for and Raven. So maybe I think for guys who taped their wrists. <laughs> you have taped fists. Yeah. <laughs> I've romanticized the the taped wrists, right. but yeah. I guess uh, oh, tri- whole new Triple H is going to be on your list, dude. He's actually number two, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that uh, when I get there. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, it is funny. All right, so I guess I'm up to my number three. Yeah. So this one, 
I contemplated whether putting this at three or two or perhaps even one, but I ended up settling at number three. And this is more of a retroactive, actually the next two picks are more of a retroactive uh, placement on this list where I wasn't necessarily their biggest fan when I was a kid. But now looking back at the body of work and looking back on what they have done and looking back now, like what matches, because I watch a lot of wrestling. I go back and watch a lot of old stuff. And more often than not, the stuff I enjoy the most watching back are this guy's matches. So I think that says a lot about how just how good they were. And also, there's a lot of guys right now, a lot of the guys that I enjoy watching will credit this guy as being the reason why they are as good as they are. And a lot of credit gets given out in professional wrestling where it probably isn't deserved. This guy doesn't get the credit that he really deserves for being the best. And honestly, this industry would be so much better, so much better if more people grew up being his fan instead of a Shawn Michaels fan. When he said it in his prime that he is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, he was right. He was 100% right. And I'm putting on the Bret Hart Hart Foundation jacket because my number three pick is the hitman, Brett the Hitman Hart. Dustin, your list is on fire. I just got to tell you, it's on fire. I love it. I'm sure Brett is probably on your guys. Probably not James. He didn't tape his fists, but uh, no, Brett's got to uh, be in your list. Yeah, too, he's, right? he's my number one. Um, oh, but, he's your number one? Yeah. Yeah, but he's we'll, also my number one. So we can have the number one discussion uh, right now if you want. All right, let's, let's put a pin in the Bret Hart conversation because we're oh. going to have it for everyone's number one. So I guess at this point, we're just going to talk about our number twos. Our number twos. And then we'll go, we'll d- dive deeper into Bret Hart. So, Anthony, you're up for your number two. All right. Um, my number two, I, I tried really hard when compiling this list about three minutes before we hit record. Um, I was trying to spread it out a little bit just so I didn't have all, because majority of my wrestling watching was WWF, then the w, the, the, the Monday Night War 96 stuff, and then a little ECW, and then a little everything else. Um, and I, I wanted to make sure I, I got some guys on different rosters. This guy maybe never hit his total prime, but I thought he was able to do the fundamentals really well, which was always like good facials in the ring when you know when you're fighting from underneath and aerial attacks and moves around. Um, I also thought he was, you know, just just very charismatic. I thought that. Um, the way he was trained was probably by the right guys. Um, Canadian as well, not from Winnipeg. But <laughs> he is the money machine. He is money. Mr. Brent Banks. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. One of the all-time greats. Nobody's eyeballs are going to pop bigger than his. Brett Banks is on the list, baby, because Brett Banks is money. 
Let's go. I, I was love so confused. I, was I knew so confused it. I knew it when he said. I knew it when he said facial expressions. I was like, it's Brent. That's got to be. Brent does have very good facial expressions. I'll give yeah. him that. One of the things we got hooked on originally, and people listening, Brent, if you're listening, love you, brother. But honestly, me and my brother got so hooked on him. We even made our own I'm a Brent Banks guy t-shirts. Actually, my brother made them. He gave it to me for Christmas. Great Christmas gift. I wish it still fit. I hate getting fat. But we were we were in on Brent Banks because he was just great. Great physique, great look, great in the ring. Greg, I know you guys have different opinions about him. That's fine. This is my list, not yours. But I also want I would definitely want to put a Smash guy on there because I did watch a lot of Smash wrestling. Brent is the greatest performer. Like if you talk about guys like like who lead like <laughs> Brent Brent could be anything he wanted to be. It's up to Brent. And that's the problem. Like it's, it's, you know, cut promos, work on social media. And he would be, he would be making gajillions of dollars, but that's, that's one of those things in wrestling. You can only go so far as you're willing to, to go. And I don't think, I mean, I can't speak for the guy. I just, I don't think he has it in him to, to do all the, the extra gajillion things. Right. Like, I think he has other interests and other things that take up his time. Maybe, I don't know. You guys knew him on the other side of the, the other side of the curtain, right? Like us in the crowd. I mean, you guys heard it. Like we got that crowd going those bread banks chants were big and we, we had so much fun. He came out, you know, and our goal, obviously we, what we want to watch him, but we want to pop him too. Like we were, we were trying our hardest to get him to laugh, you know, we and we loved that aspect of it. He played into it. You know, it was great. And we, every Smash show that that Banks was on, that we got to cheer for him, was a great show. And you know, we became friends because of it. So that's was, why he's my was, number two. Was there a time where it was someone's birthday or a bachelor party or something, and you guys showed up to a Smash wrestling event in a limo? Yeah, we did. It was and for then, fun. <laughs> we showed right. up. For fun in a limo, yeah. And then, at some point, Brent Banks was invited to go into said limo. Do you remember that? Um, I mean, probably, but I don't know. He never, no, dude. He big time does no problem. Right. So that was a story I was told. Like, so I think Brent told me this. Like, where he's he was invited into the limo. Like, he I don't the story I remember. Maybe I'm conflating the story, but like what I remember of the story was that, like, Brent poked his head into the limo, saw you guys, and then, like, big league you and walked out. Like, he saw it was you guys, like, I th- ah. I think, it, I think James and him were wa- doing, like, a live stream or something, and I think they, they walked by, and we stuck our head out the window. And I think maybe, maybe something along that line. Yeah, I've, I'm having a blurry... You know who was in the car with us with... Um, oh, shoot. From Montreal. Um, can't believe I'm forgetting his name. He he wrestled in the WWF at a sh- for a short time. He was injured. He he's married to uh, um, I think her name's Diana. Who, who oh Car- the... Carl Leduc. Yes, Carl. that's it. Yes, Carl Leduc is in your little limo ton of stories. Yeah, Carl Leduc is a character, all right. Yeah, yeah, um, hell of a guy. You, you've seen the Beyond the Mat documentary, right? Was it Beyond the Mat? Yeah, wrestling no, with shadows. Wrestling with shadows. Wrestling with shadows. Yeah. 
so it's been a long time since I've seen it again. Carl was the one okay, tapping so there, to Stu. Yeah, so if you go back and watch this uh, documentary, there's the point where they go to the dungeon, and Stu Hart is just stretching this kid. Yeah, and yeah, the kid's yeah. Like yelling for his life. He's like, yeah, I can see the the blood vein popping in your skull, and the kid's just like screaming. That kid's right. screaming is Carl Duke. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. So Brent Banks, eh? okay. So my number two has been spoiled. My number two is Triple H, and for uh, a lot of a lot of reasons. One being wrist tape. Uh, second, um, <laughs> the second is actually the respect that I give the guy for basically being tagged with a like real shit gimmick, um, playing it out, getting punished for nothing, uh, coming out on the other end of it, and carrying a company. Um, with stability. I think when you look at the Attitude Era through the Ruthless Aggression Era through whatever, there's one stable common denominator throughout all of it, and that's Hunter. And I think I challenge people to go back, and I've had this argument too with people, name me a bad Triple H match from memory. I mean, not... Not all of them are no, five any, stars. Any of those blunder matches for me. Right? But not all of them are five stars. But, like, I don't think there's any that are one or two, right? Like, I think model of consistency, able to change. Like, when he became the corporate guy, like, that was fantastic. Um, then he did the whole game thing. The entrance with the colored lights was brand new. Like, no one had ever seen anything like that. Um, it was It was very big and very, like, and that pop at Madison Square Garden when he came back from injury, holy shit! Um, you know, I yeah, just I, wasn't it. Okay, listen, James. Like, I appreciate your wrestling knowledge and your wrestling brain, but I think this is like a bullshit pick. And I'll let you have Raven, but Triple H. I'll give you Raven, but not Triple H. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because Triple H. I mean, when you marry the boss's daughter, of course you get the cool interest entrance of course you get the cool video package of course you're allowed to do all the steroids you want of course you're allowed to do all those things i mean listen we all love triple h now like paul levec triple h we all like no but, i was a huge fan then i was a huge fan i was a huge fan. throughout all of it those fucking boring ass promos where you're like what the fuck is this guy talking about and but, then he's referencing like some lord of the rings bullshit i don't know like i don't know i triple h always seemed dude, like to the two trying man- to heart me the two-man power trip with him and Austin, the times he carried, the times he carried SmackDown, there, there were the early days of SmackDown. He carried that show, and then even the 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 heel version of DX with all the babyface versions that somehow he was able to get over his heels, like that was fantastic. Um, by Evolution, Evolution, dude, he basically became. They basically did the Four Horsemen, and he did Ric Flair next to Ric Flair, which is incredible. Yeah. Right, like that's tough to do. Um, I've always said they need to reboot Evolution like every fifteen years or something. Well, it makes it makes three new stars. Yeah, yeah. Well, it has the ability to right. And there's um, a great way to do it. And anyway, that's another his feud, conversation for another day, though. Dude, his feud with Foley, he did hardcore matches. He did the SummerSlam triple threat between The Rock and and uh, him and Angle was amazing. That 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 title. I actually find more synonymous with him than the other two, Rock and and Austin. That circle blue title. I, f- I just for some reason in my head, the, se- I feel, the second wing eagle. 
Yeah, I find it more synonymous so, with him. That title is affectionately referred to as the Big Eagle. Yeah. Okay. The Big Eagle. Yeah. So yeah the Big Eagle. I uh, yeah, I associate with Triple H more than anyone because he held it more than anyone. Because like Austin in that era was champion, but he had his own version of the Smoking Skull Belt, right? And well, then he was injured right? often. Well, whatever the case, but like Austin never held that belt. Like he was given it by Vince after WrestleMania 14, but he never really held it. He just had the the custom one, right? And then it was around that time where every like other week on Raw, it seemed like there was a new WWF champion, right? Like Mick Foley had it and Triple H had it and The Rock had it and Big Show had it and Vince McMahon had it. And like they would just trade that belt around like crazy. So I don't think anyone is synonymous with that belt other than Triple H. Right, but what about Triple H in ring? Like, fine, like his matches were good, but you always knew that off the rope, you know, whatever that move is where he jams a knee. Like, I just felt he was like the originator of the, like the five moves of Doom, you know, and then like Cena, obviously. But I don't. I just felt like you you could write out what you would see in Triple H's matches, no matter what. To me, the argument I've always had with people when it came to Triple H and the quality of his matches is like, yeah, no, absolutely, you can't name a Triple H match that's bad because he never worked anyone terrible. That's another good point. Right. But then if you're never working anyone terrible, that also says something about you as well. Right? Like Yeah, that's a good there, point too. There's a level of trust to and, and belief to have you in there. Um do I think do I think he was one of the top drawing? I don't I don't think so. But then again, maybe he was. He he WrestleMania's I mean he was main event of a bunch of them. Yeah, but why was he main event? Because he was the best or I because think he it- no, I don't think it has anything to do with his relationship with Stephanie. Yeah, I don't know. Guys, don't, please don't be blind. Please. It's like, not. It's not the... <laughs> You're well, can I ask you a question? Intros. Okay. How many, intros. How, many, how many main events was Test in? Uh, none? Zero? I don't think he actually dated stuff. <laughs> no, I don't think he had a legitimate relationship with How Stephanie many main events was Macho Man in? Only other person is Macho Man. Everyone knows <laughs> that. Everybody knows that. And he's said, only number uh, three on my list. That's that's uh that's rumor and innuendo. That's not yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. No, yeah, so allegedly, that's my number allegedly. two. Allegedly. So you're number it's two a in the more four three point six point, but I don't know if it's like I don't know, whatever. Your crazy right. list. Before we get to the Bret Hart talk, is that is two out of three number ones. My number one is kind of going down the road James was going down with that ECW connection. Um, this guy, I think to this day, there has never been anyone like him. There has never anyone like him before, and there's never been anyone like him after. He had a unique style. He was able to be an ECW while not being an extreme guy, but was still one of the most over guys in ECW, even though he wasn't an extreme guy. He was incredibly likable. He just resonated with the audience more than anyone in ECW ever had any opportunity of being. And then when he made the jump over to WWE, he I don't know if Vince McMahon had any goddamn clue who this guy was. But in a matter of no time, this guy was in main event picture, challenging for, challenging for championships that no one had ever done before coming in from another place. Vince McMahon had a habit of if I didn't create this guy, I don't have any interest in putting him on in, up at the top of the card immediately. I can probably think of like five guys at the top of my head, like Ric Flair and AJ Styles, 
and I'm blanking Logan on anyone Paul. else. Logan Paul. <laughs> no, but like guys. <laughs> Booker T. Booker T, sure. Who came from somewhere else who immediately was right in the top. And this was one of those guys. And I don't think we give this guy enough credit for the longevity that he had, for the style that he wrestled, and just for the incredible athleticism that he has to this day. To this day, this guy can still jump to the top rope in one swift jump and deliver a five-star frog splash. That, of course, is RVD, Rob Van Dam. Dude. You didn't even do the hands, dude. I didn't do it because I feel feel weird if I did it. (laughs) Two words. I thought you were going to say Taz there for a second. Dude, Heat Wave with Jerry Lynn was just... Oh, my... That ma- that match with Jerry Lynn is legendary. It, it redefined pro wrestling at the time because yep. it it made its way out on like tapes and recordings and stuff, and people started to say, you know, because that was what two thousand. It was Heat Wave two thousand, right? Oh, no, ninety nine. It might have been ninety nine, but either way. And then the, the sequel was just as good. Um, and it's funny because Rob was. Uh, the whole effing show and Jerry Lynn was the new effing show and it was like, you know, and, and Lynn was fucking good too. Um, it, Jerry Lynn was the other guy in Double Jeopardy, by the way. Now I remember. Thank you. He was actually the champion. Um, duh, duh, duh. Um, dude, RVD, I remember being at the last ECW TV taping, which was ironically at the Hershey Center at the time in Mississauga. And I remember... the Paramount Fine Food Center. <laughs> I was I remember, that show, FYI. I remember Walk by Pantera just being on for so long because people would refuse to let it die. Like they would they milked it because it was so good. And he was just he didn't he didn't talk. He didn't have to. Didn't need to. Yeah. Right? Need to. Like Fonzie just did the whistle and that's all you needed. He was fucking good, man. Even though the Healthy, tag matches was sad. Great look too. Look like Jean Claude. Yeah, totally. And, and, you, and, he, and what I meant by that is like, look at the way he worked, and like he had this like graceful slowness to him. Yeah. <laughs> and no one has ever replicated that, dude. Ever. There were those those springboard somersaults over the barricades. There were times where I was like, he's not going to make it because it looked like he was moving so slow. Yeah. Oh, but the coast to coast too, right? That yeah. Was insane. The first time I, I ever I, saw the Van Terminator, I was like, what the fuck? Totally. I thought that was impossible. I didn't think anyone would be able to make that jump. Full disclosure, ECW had a smaller ring than WWE at the time. Like, I think they yeah. worked a 16 by 16. Uh, and WCW, they have e- to have been w- an 18 at least. ECW yeah. is at least an 18. Yeah. So, and WWE and was a 20. What would Smash have been? Smash was 16. Yeah. Is that like common for indies, like sixteen, and then like because the, the most WWE affordable ring looks big, anyways. It's the most yeah, affordable. WWE uses a WWE uses a twenty by twenty. Um, WCW historically always uses an eighteen, and so that's why I'm saying ECW is probably an eighteen as well. Um, sixteen is typically only used for like training facilities and stuff. You don't usually use a sixteen foot ring for a professional wrestling match, but on the independence of so many promotions, use a smaller venue like a little club or concert venue or whatever an 18 might necessarily even fit like a 20 by 20 definitely wouldn't fit 
I remember Rob Fuego had an 18 and a 16 in his training school. Mm -hmm. And he rarely ever rented out the 18 because no one would book a building big enough for the 18 by 18. But uh, Rob, also one of the greatest ECW TV champions, lost the title due to injury, had that insane comeback. Remember that? Near the... uh, Was it near the... Well, first of all, he had the insane comeback from the leg injury. Then he had the insane comeback at the end of ECW. And then how could we forget him and John Cena? One night stand. Cena wins, we riot. And one night stand was his idea as well? Uh, Supposedly, that's how the story goes, that he pitched the ECW pay-per-view idea to Vince McMahon. I love the pick. I think that's another great pick. Also, the guy has like 46 girlfriends and a wife, so... Yeah. You know what? Yeah. That that can't be understated. <laughs> yeah, the, more the, championships uh, than anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. His Instagram is pretty good, right? Because isn't isn't one of his? I don't know if it's his girlfriend or his wife. Isn't she an adult star as well? I or think just for my from my understanding, I don't know if she is a current star or she was at one point. I believe. I think that's how it goes. Yeah, man's living his best and, life. And not only yes, a guy who, no. whose gimmick was like he's also stoned all the time too, yeah. like he was Matt Riddle before Matt Riddle. <laughs> that's that's not a gimmick, sir. No, yeah, yeah you're, right, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> it's not a gimmick if it's real life. Yeah. Can we do it? Can we can we hit the can we hit the music? <laughs> Pantera? No, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> all right, so I guess now we have to have the conversation about everyone else's number one except mine, and. Yeah, the way I framed it in my number three. Oh, did I even talk about my number two? Yeah, Rob Van Dam. No, that was my number one. Oh. <laughs> How did I miss my number two? How did I, I totally... It's Bret Hart, wasn't it? I think we were talking about Burn Banks so much that... Who's your number two? I just forgot. Huh. Who's your number two? Uh, my number two is The Undertaker. Oh. Yeah, we missed it. It taped the list. So... and. Uh, Briefly, why I picked The Undertaker is another like retroactive addition to this list because I think The Undertaker was a guy who always was he again a guy who never had a bad match unless I mean well that's not that's necessarily true he had a lot of bad matches with those like horrible big men that they put him in the ring with but he was like the constant I was gonna say Undertaker Mabel was a barn burner no it was it was bad he was the Gonzalez. He was a constant in WWE. When you needed a guy, The Undertaker was the guy to go to. He was consistently, when put when in the right situation, he consistently had incredible matches. And The Undertaker doesn't get enough credit for being as good as he was for as long as he was. You know, we talk about guys like Shawn Michaels, who uh, he's real good, but I mean, realistically, he had a you know five-year career. We talk about guys like... Uh, I don't know who else was on this list. The Rock, we said, had like a seven-year career. And we say, oh, Undertaker was around for almost almost 20 years. I mean, his last few years were like one match a year. But he was consistently a top, top guy. No one has been a consistent top guy. A lot of times, like you work your way up and you kind of work your way back down the card. Undertaker started on top and he was always at the top. Sans, and, sans championships. Like he doesn't have the championship resume. He only had the championships when the company was in need and they needed the belt on a top guy. 
he was never he, given the belt because they wanted him to be the champion. It was like, well, we're in a pickle right now. Let's just put the belt on The Undertaker for a little while and carry us through this era. The Undertaker also doesn't get enough credit for being as good as he was while also being damn near seven feet tall. He moved around like everyone else and worked as hard as everyone else while also being almost seven feet tall and 350 pounds. Like he was I mean, okay, he cleared, good at that cleared size. the top rope. Question for you, Wrestleheads, though. Is The Undertaker Vince McMahon's greatest creation or is it Hogan? I mean, either or, I guess, but... The Undertaker is, I would say. 20 years, loyal the whole time. I think Hogan is a better creation in terms of how much money it drew from what it was. I think The Undertaker was a happy accident. I don't think Vince McMahon envisioned The Undertaker being the star that he was. I think he was just, he was another monster that was being fed to Hulk Hogan. But, I mean, the... The Hogan, the Hogan gimmick was eight year run or whatever it was, where Taker, I mean, reinvented a couple different times, but twenty years. Can we also, like, we don't people give zero credit to the Undertaker for this ever in the conversation, but a guy to go from a supernatural gimmick to a non supernatural gimmick to go back to a supernatural gimmick and not have any hiccups, like he was able to be, like mystical and magical and have powers and then he was a biker and then he went back to having powers and nobody gave a shit like it was just yeah no that, that makes was sense. the era though yeah i'm just saying like it's it's interesting like not i don't think a lot of dudes could pull that off like i don't think you could have you know again i don't know a lot of supernatural guys like while still being the undertaker like sure the godfather was papa shango and then Kamala, right? Was it Kamala? No, Kama. Yeah, Kama. Oh yeah, Sorry. yeah, it was Kama. So Kama. yeah, he was Papa Shango, then Kama, the supreme fighting, fighting machine. machine. Also and worked the Undertaker. Was, then yeah, he also did Undertaker. He stole the urn and melted yeah, it down and made it a chain. Yeah, <laughs> because he was with Mabel, the million dollar. Because he was Ted DiBiase. He was the million dollar. Like, wasn't it like a million dollar thing with Ted DiBiase? It was, yeah, Million Dollar Man had a stable. I forgot the name of the stable, but yeah, it was like, yeah, he was in that stable. And it was Mabel, he was in the nation, Kama. He was in the Nation of Domination as Kama yeah. Mustafa. Kama Mustafa, yeah. yeah. And then he and became then Godfather. Godfather. So, yeah, but those are gimmick changes. Like, he was still the Undertaker. He was just a different, under. he was just Sons of yeah, Anarchy. Triple H was like Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the blue blood and then he was like triple h dx and then triple h right the biker that wasn't a biker which is why he's number two on and my list was, and then he was steph's husband so which is, like i get it <laughs> which is why he was number two on my list all right so number one is brett the hitman heart for obvious reasons i mean there probably is some bias because we're canadian but i think honestly the more we look back at it now he was right. Brett was right about everything. Everything he ever said, he was right. And the, mo- the most uh, telling thing that he was right about is when he said he was the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. I don't think there'll ever be another Bret Hart. And like I was saying, like I watch a lot of re- old wrestling. And man, when I go back and watch some Bret Hart matches, <laughs> that guy was so good at everything. And what I think what it comes down to 
something that he used to do that no one does anymore. I should say no one does, but like a lot of guys don't do, and I think it's lost on this generation of wrestlers. Is work the selling. limbs. Oh, like what did you what did you say, James? Work the limbs. Like he was able oh, to. Well, yeah, that too. Like he's in. Like I mean, he did everything with a purpose. Like he was setting up the sharpshooter. He was trying to win the match. What a concept, right? <laughs> like telling a story of the reason how you're going to win the match. But like Bret Hart would get thrown into the top turnbuckle, and man, like the look on his face, like he just when he took it chest first. When he took it chest first, and oh, he yeah. like he'd go back and like he looked like watch, he lost all his air in that spot. Like watch just, his suicide dives. He's just as hurt as the guy because you should be because you just threw yourself through the friggin' ropes, um, and half the time right. he landed on his head at the guardrail, um, but. Yeah, I mean, he was. When you talk about the it treated like a sport, he did such a good fucking job of treating it like a sport, but also telling a story that people could be invested in. And I think that's a, that's a weird energy that is just relatively impossible to capture anymore because of of what came after and stuff like that. But you, if there if there's anyone successful at getting over the idea of a technician. Um, it was him. Like that's a very hard thing to do. Like Brian Danielson, I think even struggles with it. Um, and it wasn't until yes that people kind of were able to go beyond that. Right? Bret Hart was able to do it, and maybe a part of it has to do too that there were a lot of foils for Bret around the time, like Sean Diesel, um, and Dave. his brother. You know, like there was oh, a lot yeah. of there were a lot Dave, of levels yeah. that he could work with. Um, not trying to take away from him, I just think the era was set up for him so well um, to succeed as well. Well, if I may, I'm I'm a I'm a second and third generation hairstylist, and Brett was a second generation wrestler, and the legacy that he wanted to, I guess, preserve it meant more to him than anybody else. Anybody else, like anybody he was in the ring with, it meant more to him because he he had seen the business so much more than anybody else. So you, And you saw that in his matches. All his matches were tight, uh, well put together, well constructed. And I think that's why you know you see this um, newfound love for Brett with the wrestlers, the, the son of the hitman um, thing with FTR and Punk, because they, they appreciate what they did what did, and I bet those guys love Stone Cold, but or, or even Shawn Michaels, um, and and that feud, you know, wherever you were on the side of the border. But I think I think Brett just put things together so well because he had so many more years, so many more hours experience than anybody else in the ring, and he knew he had like um more love for it because of the legacy that it was for his family. And I think there was a sense of honesty behind Brett's performances too, right? Like. I don't think he ever tried to pull one over on anybody. Like, I don't think, you know, and, and he, I mean, I, the only thing is I try and think like, did Brett, did he put anyone over? Like he put over Bulldog. Yes. Right. Bulldog. He yeah. Put, and Sean. Owen. Owen. Yeah. Owen. Sean, I guess as well too. I, and I, most, most importantly, he launched, the biggest star in the history of the industry in Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I, mean, I guess, but that's what I'm saying, right? Like, you think about it. Even when even when the era was changing, like his his version of what he like still had a place, right? A very important place. Arguably, also launched Diesel too. Like yeah. no one would have taken Diesel seriously until he had those matches with Brett, and that was what made Diesel be a main event guy. And and Pillman it, when he was in the foundation because yeah. Pillman was kind of lost for a while. Yeah. Do you remember no, that that's... guy? I, I don't remember that guy's name. He was. It's gonna bother me now. But it was. It was like this lost match of Bret Hart versus this guy, and yes, everyone was like that guy was gonna be the new Hulk Hogan. Yes, and they're, they're, everyone saw the match like, holy shit, this guy's going to be the new Hulk Hogan. Like, we, we got a new star on our hands. We got to sign this guy up. We got to get him going. And they just didn't realize that it was because he's in the ring with Brett, and Brett made him look like a fucking million dollars. It was uh, Tom McGee. Tom McGee. Yeah, if that you, one. Yeah. Ironically, Andrew, it looks like Kenny down. Omega. Look up Tom McGee versus Bret Hart. They found the match. I think it might be on the network now. It is on the network. Tom now. McGee versus Bret Hart. And I've got no ECW one, Double Jeopardy. Heatwave 99 or 2000, RVD versus Jerry Lynn, and now the Hitman versus, what was it, Tommy McGee? Tom, Tom, Tom McGee. McGee. Also, you know what, Anthony? Go Just yeah, go watch ECW on TNN from its inception like and all those pay-per-views from about, I'm going to say from 99 to 2001. Uh, yeah. to, to be, I, I, I remember watching TNN in, at, in 99. I'm going to go do that after this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to but. I'm going to smoke a little. I'm going to go watch some ECW because... I'm in. You're going to get some text messages from me, brother. <laughs> the, uh, you can also order a, a hot and fresh delivery pizza from uh, Little Caesars <laughs> and clog up your butt. With crazy bread? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, even in that era, like, go watch Rhino's matches from that era. Fucking fantastic. Smash but, alumni as well. He was. Sort of. I, I remember before that match, it was, it was at least... One match that I'm thinking of in particular, I think Rhino worked for Smash at least one or two times. Um, it was him and Tyson Dukes at the Canland Sportsplex. And I think it was a hardcore match. It, it sure was. Been. It was a hardcore sure match. Was. And he had gone up to Seb and said, Anything you guys want me to like not do, or do anything you want me to do or not do? And Seb said, Honestly, I don't care, man. Just if you could stay away, like don't do anything with the chairs. We just bought those. The first spot <laughs> in the match, he grabs Tyson Dukes and throws him into the chairs and like knocks them all down. And we're like, what the yeah, fuck, we, yeah, I ran pretty quickly that moment. <laughs> That's good. All right, so that is our top five for this. We're week. way we long. Gone, we are way over. This might be the longest episode we've ever done. Uh, since we're already way over, do you want us to do shout outs anyways? Sure. <laughs> Let's do. It. Everyone's favorite segment of the week shout outs when we get to hear the wonderful Maven entrance music. I'm surprised Maven didn't end up on anyone's top five. He should have at least been. For sure. <laughs> he works for the if Brooklyn Maven Nets. Maven had used uh, wrist tape all the way up to, to his knuckles. Yeah. Maven would have been Maybe. a contender on He would have been on the list. Limited to The Undertaker, one of your greats. 
He did eliminate The Undertaker from the Royal Rumble. That was actually a really fun moment. Uh, shout outs, if you're not aware, is the time where we like to uh, shout out someone or something that we love and enjoy and something we want to shed some light onto in a positive light because sometimes we get kind of negative on this show, although we've been pretty positive on this show, which is quite nice. I will go first. My shout out is to, uh, sticking with the wrestling theme, my shout out is to one Joe Hendry. Joe is one of the coolest dudes, great wrestler, just signed a new uh, contract with uh, Impact Wrestling, so very happy for Joe. But the cool thing about Joe, before every booking, it's not just for Smash Wrestling, it's for every booking he gets, he will do, he will write and compose an original song for his entrance. That is like a diss track to his opponent or fitting the theme of the show or fitting the theme of the place he's in or something. James, last or on Sunday night for Smash Wrestling, Joe Hendry did this song. Remember, um, I think it was South Park where it was like, Canada, fuck yeah. yeah, that song. Like he did that, but instead of the, the fuck yeah part, it was yes, please, because we're all so polite. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, Canada, yes, please. And like everyone That's in the crowd is chanting, yes, please. Like the whole match, they're chanting, yes, please, yes, please. It's just Team like, America. Really, super brilliant guy, really hardworking guy. And I'm, I'm glad to see that he signed a contract with Impact Wrestling. And hopefully that gets him a visa in the United States and he's able to, you know, Further his career a bit more. Anthony, you go. All right. Uh, my shout out goes to uh, Matty Key because with him not going on vacation, I couldn't be here. I had a lot of fun <laughs> with you guys tonight. And, uh, you know, what can I say? I didn't have to hear Matty at all in this episode, and I got to talk to you guys. It was great. <laughs> I'm just That's kidding, funny. Matty. I'm sure you're great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if he'll listen to this. And well, he's got a 14-hour flight back, so maybe he'll he'll catch up maybe. then. Um, my shout out is to uh, the greatest quarterback of last week, and that is Joe Flacco, oh, God. for leading the Jets to a 31 to 30 last-minute victory, two touchdowns and an onside kick recovery in under a minute and a half, and the Jets beat the Cleveland Browns. The Deshaun Watsonless Cleveland Browns, who had Jacoby Brissett, who had a decent game, but just just not as good as Joe Flacco. So, shout out to Joe Flacco, Robert Sala, and the entire New York Jets squad. You know, what? and any New York Jets fan who celebrated like they just won the Super Bowl because it kind of felt like it for a minute. All right. Well, that is our shout outs, and that is our episode. So, we would like to say thank you to Anthony for joining us, filling in for Maddie. You can catch Anthony. On the Not After 30 podcast, make sure you subscribe to the Not After 30 podcast on all your favorite podcast services. Anything else you want to get out there, Anthony? No, guys, I had so much fun. I would love to do this again next week if you have me. And uh, I won't, I'll try not to keep you guys up as late as I have already. <laughs> it's definitely a late night. So, uh, again, thank you, Anthony. Thank you, James, for uh, doing all the hard work on the back end. And thank you for listening. This has been episode 23 of 43.6 and we will see you next week for episode 24.